and anyone in attendance. Um, can the department please remove the, the presentation? Be there's in, uh, internal business that we need to do before the presentation. Thank you. Uh, the chairperson is about to log in. Thank you.
Hello. Hello. Uh, good morning, members. Uh, the chairperson seems to uh, experience some technical glitch. Let me phone her again. Just a minute. Sorry about that. Okay, sure, Lindy. Good morning, honorable members. Good morning, Chair. Good morning, Chair. You, I really apologize. I, we were born before technology. I don't know what is happening. In fact, it rained the whole night. I think the network is not on my side. I really apologize with these 10 minutes that we are behind. I will try our level best to cover it up. I sincerely apologize for that. Honorable members, I hope you have apologized for me. Honorable Masang. I see you. The secretary yes. apologized on your behalf, Chair. We accept apology, Chair. No problem. When we move to fourth industrial revolution. Mm -hmm. so Thank you very much. I will yes. try to cover up that 10 minutes that we're late with. 
I will uh, lock in at half past seven this time around. Thank you very much for that, accepting my apology. Morning, honorable members, morning officials, and whoever is present in the meeting. I'm not sure whether the minister is with us or not. Lindy, can we then uh, bow our heads where we are just a minute or a second? Thank you very much, uh, honorable members. Uh, I wish to welcome everyone in the meeting. Today is not really my day. I need uh, to apologize up front if I made any blunders. It's because of humanity. <laughs> and as women, you know the problems as mothers that we are encountering at times. But everyone in the meeting is really uh, uh, accepted and welcomed. The meeting is officially opened. I also wish Lindy, Lindy, can you flight the agenda so as not to waste time? Yes, sir, I'll do so. Thank you very much for putting forward my apology. Yeah, welcome, Jane. Can you see the agenda members? Not yet. Hello? Not yet. Not it's yet. Coming it's coming through. It just Hello? Shows yeah, it's coming. Uh, I think I've got a bit of a network problem. Hello? Okay. It's darkness. Okay. It's in now, yeah. yeah, we can see it. Yeah, welcome. Uh, has been done. Uh, confirmation of attendance. Can we get to who's in the meeting, okay, Lindy? Uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, we have you, uh, the chairperson of this committee, Member Mbana. We have Member Abrams. We have Member Iris. We have Member Shongo. We have Member Fanda Merve. We have Member Stock. We have Member Opperman. We have Member Masango. We have Member uh, Mare. Um, if I omit any member, I can confirm that. Uh, Chair, I also want to confirm that we are a quorum. We have nine members out of Thank you very much, Chair. Okay. Thank you very much, Lindy. Uh, can we then uh, go to apologies? Uh, Chair, uh, firstly, I have an apology from member Sukers who is unable to attend today's meeting due to prior commitments. Um, I see um, the minister is here, but uh, let me omit the apology that was attended, that was uh, submitted before, but she's here. There was an apology for her. Thank you very much. Those are the two apologies. Okay. Thanks, thanks, Lindy. It means we are a quorum. We also want to acknowledge the presence of the minister. We know that uh, it's Wednesday today, there might be a cabinet or something. There is a lot to do, but we appreciate the, her presence with us. Can we then go straight to the adoption of the agenda? Chair, I'll move um, the adoption. It's automatic. Okay. Honorable Lise has adopted the agenda as it is. And then uh, any second?
would like to second the adoption of the agenda, Chair. It's Bridget. Thank you very much, Honorable Masango. Then, if it goes like that, let's just go straight to the briefing of the department, uh, knowing exactly that uh, it's really... Recording in progress. They are, I will say they are privileged to present uh, this report after the presentation of other departments in terms of what has happened in the uh, public hearings. Uh, we got the Home Affairs report. We also got um, other departments report health, etc. So they are really in advantage today to present their report to us. So we have given them plenty chance to present the uh, report. Can we then give over to the minister first? Um, thank you very much, Chairperson, Honorable Chairperson, and I, I must apologize that uh, my network is extremely poor. It's very windy where I am, so I will not um, uh, put on the, 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 the video. But also upfront, Chairperson, as you indicated in your opening remarks, uh, we have a special cabinet uh, taking place right now. And so I will just open the meeting and um, hand over to, uh, well, I won't open the meeting, sorry. I will just um, uh, uh, request that the department, because the meeting has been opened already, I'll request, and it's not my meeting. How can I say I'll open the meeting? My apology, Chair. <laughs> uh, I will meant to remain and make the necessary presentation. And so uh, attending this meeting, uh, Chairperson is our acting, direct, acting director general, Mr. Mkunu, the executive officer of SASA, Dr. Memela Kambula, acting executive officer for the National Development Agency, Mr. Bongani Makongo, and then the other senior managers and officials will uh, introduce themselves and entities will introduce themselves as I guess we, they did even in the previous time that we are presenting. Chairperson and honorable members, um, pursuant to the people-centered democracy that we set out to realize in 1994, in May 2020, as well as from September to December 2021, the Portfolio Committee on Social Development conducted um, thoroughgoing public hearings on the Children's Amendment Bill, which is a very important bill. The amendments seek to address a number of weaknesses in the broader child care and protection system, in particular the foster care system. As the honorable members will recall, and as ordered by the Houding Division of the High Court in Pretoria in November 2017, in the matter of Center for Child Law versus Minister of Social Development, these amendments are the basis for the creation of a comprehensive legal solution that would address the menacing foster care uh, challenges. Public hearings, public hearings are inherent to the inclusive and participatory fabric and essence of our society, insofar as these are the means and mechanisms by which active citizenship can practically be brought to fruition for the purpose of facilitating for people, yes, the people who foreground our constitution when they said we, the people of South Africa, to be the primary sculptors of process substantive consideration and actual laws that this parliament attends to. It is for these reasons that the people are the first, uh, last and only motive um, 
that ours is a democracy, noting that substantive engagements with the diversity of communities are effectively strengthening our institutions of democracy. The deputy minister and I, and I know that the, the apology for the deputy minister was submitted. She hasn't been well. She is in, in, in hospital, but we hold the fort while she is in, in hospital. And uh, so the, uh, the, the deputy minister and I are grateful to you, Chairperson, and the honorable members of this committee for bringing the people's felt needs on board this important legislative process, a legislative process that is intended at securing the only place that embodies South Africa's future, our children. And therefore, Chairperson, the state of South Africa's children is a serious-minded matter such that it ought not to be a party politicking issue. Instead, the state of South Africa's children features so high among our societies tough and unbearable issues that it is common is, is, is a common interest to us all. So serious is the matter that it demands that we all should purposefully deepen society-wide collaboration that are targeted at radically improving the state of all children. And while each and every South African in societies is in societies is society's most precious resource, as I mentioned earlier, our children demonstrate how invaluable the embodied future worth is uh, resource actually is. I would like to reassure the portfolio committee that I'm treating the outcomes of these hearings with the highest esteem they require. Consequently, the department must direct heightened levels of seriousness and agency when attending to the outcomes of um, foregoing public hearings. And I'm aware, Chairperson, that we came here, uh, members were unhappy with some issues. We are back here again. And I would like to say that as long as you see weaknesses in the system or weaknesses in the work that we do, we appreciate the work that you do as uh, members of the portfolio committee and your oversight uh, over the executive. So accordingly, I have asked the department to thoughtfully attend to the numerous technical and substantive service implementation challenges that the children, parents, communities, practitioners, and our partners raised during the public hearing. Specific questions have been posed by South African children to these specific quantifiable and implementable responses are due. I know that the honorable members of the portfolio committee and their support staff invested themselves into making sure that the felt needs of the children of South Africa are properly recorded and transmitted to the department for sufficient responses. I expect nothing less in the presentation that you will be receiving this morning. And again, honorable chairperson and honorable members, I thank you for your personal investment in this process. And honorable chairperson and members, please receive the department's response to the national provincial national and provincial hearings on the Children's Amendment Bill for your due consideration. And I apologize that I have to step out, but I'm sure that I will get the necessary briefing thereafter. Thank you very much, Chairperson. There's something flying on your face. <laughs> oh, it's gone now. It's, <laughs> I gone. Got it. <laughs> it's gone. I am in the village. <laughs> Oh. So you get the flies and everything. Yeah, no, and, those and butterflies. <laughs> Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable okay. Members. Thank, Thank you, you very much, uh, Minister, with wonderful uh, opening remarks.
which we hope all the best for your day, understanding uh, the work that is confronting you as acting minister of women, youth, and people with disability. And also, uh, I wish to say to the to the social workers, happy belated National Social Work Professionals Day. Yesterday, they were celebrating their day, but unfortunately, we managed to send our voice of saying happy, happy uh, National Social Work Professional Day. We are excusing you, Minister. We hope that all will be the best. We won't be disappointed this time around. We were not really happy about the presentation last time. We hope everything is going to go well for now. As I have said already that uh, we managed to get the reports from other departments, which means that uh, health department has given us a clue and also uh, home affairs has managed to give us, to give us, in fact, to give us some clue on what needs to happen. So they will just polish up those uh, issues for us. Thank you very much. Let's proceed with our meeting by giving over to the acting DG, Mr. Mtunu. Uh, <clears throat> well, uh, Honorable Chairperson, <laughs> Um, can I can I can I be allowed to switch off the video so that I can be able to deal with these flying things that are being seen by the minister? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Over to you, Acting DC. No, no, thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Uh, please don't be surprised if you see any flying things here as well. Um uh, we're in Swane. And uh, yeah, let me leave it at that. Thank you very much. Um, and honorable uh, members, uh, let me firstly just start by indicating that uh, uh, indeed, uh, uh, Honorable Chair, uh, we appreciate the fact that the committee has noted and indeed uh, congratulated all social workers uh, from uh, World Global Social Work Day yesterday. Uh, we really appreciate that and uh, we continue to send out our much appreciation uh, for the hard work and dedication that social workers continue to do on a daily basis. Um, uh, yes, we may note it only on the 15th of March, but for us, every day uh, is an important day for social workers in the life of South Africans as they work tirelessly to ensure that uh, uh, South Africans uh, are, are assisted in the challenges that they face in a myriad of areas. So we thank you for that, and we thank you, we thank the committee for noting that. Let me also um, appreciate, uh, Honorable Chairperson, the indulgence of the committee on our previous uh, challenges that we had with regards to the presentation. Uh, we are confident that this time around, uh, we didn't miss the brief as it were, um, as we did the last time, but we are very confident that we've done the right thing. We've had numerous consultations, including with the um, content advisor uh, and um, uh, with the legal team to ensure that uh, we provide a, a report that is uh, um, succinct, um, or rather uh, detailed, not succinct, but detailed, and deals with all the issues uh, that have been raised um, in the public consultations as per the request of the committee. Now, Chairperson, you would note that there are three, Leandre, if you could put the presentation on, there are three uh, attachments that we sent. The first one, really providing an analysis, uh, which is really high level, uh, which talks to context in terms of 
uh, issues raised through the submissions. Uh, it also talks about the uh, categories of the uh, or, or groups rather that made the, uh, the submissions, um, uh, being private persons, refugees, migrants, groups, professional associations, um, uh, academic institutions, traditional leaders, children's organizations, uh, gender groups, chapter nine institutions, and of course faith-based organizations, which are critical. Uh, in uh, uh, in Luanda, uh, can you put on presentation mode, please? Um, which are critical to the work of, uh, of of social development development and more so on the on the issues raised um, with regards to the submissions and of course we receive both oral and written submissions uh, and just to indicate that the key issues that emerge of course were around foster care adoption parental responsibilities ECD children's rights um, uh, children uh, with disabilities issues around unaccompanied and separated migrant children um, amongst others and of uh, course it's Nelly, so can you mute, please? Uh, the second attachment, honorable members, that you would have received is about an 88-slide presentation, which is what we are going to deal with this morning. It really goes into the details of some of the matters, particularly on our observations. And of course, the last one is the matrix, which gives a, a much more detailed analysis and in a, a much more elaborate, dealing mainly with the specific um, uh, um, uh, articulation of the clauses, our recommendations, uh, and um, uh, our responses to the matters raised in, the, uh, in, in through the process. Now, colleague, uh, I'm saying colleague, my apologies. Honorable members would note and recall that uh, we started this process around May and concluded it. Uh, in uh, December 20, May 2020 and concluded it in December last year. Uh, we've noted all the submissions uh, that have come through, um, uh, some of which were general concerns made by members of the public organizations and children's, uh, uh, children, parents, etc. I've already highlighted the stakeholders. And I think the Children's Amendment Bill seeks to address uh, some of the gaps uh, in legislation, uh, uh, court uh, judgments uh, impacting on the Children's Act, and most importantly, as the minister would have raised earlier this morning, is that um, uh, the issues around uh, our response to the North Houghton High Court order on the comprehensive legal solution to address the foster care backlogs. And we're hoping that uh, before the end of the year, we'll be able to, uh, to, to move on that, on that, uh, on that uh, legislation. Can you go to the next slide. Um, now, Chair, I think it's important to just highlight that um, the, there are all, all the ECD clauses that were dealt with in the children's, uh, will be dealt with, uh, or rather, in the, in the Children's Second Amendment Bill, um, which is led to the Department of, which is led rather by the Department of Basic Education. Um, so um, we, we, because uh, members have rejected that aspect of the bill, uh, it's the DBE um, by virtue of the ECD migration uh, taking place, um, uh, you know, at the end of this month to basic education and social development. Uh, we will be working very closely uh, with the DBE as the handing over department in that regard. Uh, and that's just to also indicate that we've established a task team, which we reported last time to the committee, uh, to advise on um, very specific issues around ECD. Um, and um, there have been regular meetings in this regard, and progress will be provided outside of this uh, of this of this forum in terms of progress um, uh, recorded in that regard. Then, lastly, just to indicate that um, uh, maybe you can go to the next slide. Actually, I'm summarizing just these high-level slides so that we get to the crux uh, of the work. Uh, just in terms of observations made by uh, during the public hearings, um, now it's important to just highlight that um, although the consultations were made in 
to solicit comments on clauses of the bill. Um, uh, we received a number of other uh, comments uh, that the public raised, um, particularly as it relates to service delivery of, in government of the whole. Uh, and some of the issues were historic, uh, systematic, uh, whereas others were operational relating to service delivery. Both DG, DG, can you then do the presentation in the slideshow and, and remove the small one on the other side, on the right-hand side? Uh, okay. Thank you. You've got blank and one that's showing two actions. But increase the, the font. Yeah, Back no. to normal. Back to square one. I know. It says no. Yeah. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you very much. Continue. Thanks. It seems I'm the only technician here born after technology. <laughs> yeah, after technology. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, Leander, can we go to, yes, the slide. So I was just indicating that some issues raised, uh, as I already indicated, were systemic, uh, historical, um, and some were operational. Um, relating to service delivery, both within the department and other organs of state or government in the whole, as already indicated, with some having a ripple effect on children. And then amongst other things, uh, what is key uh, to highlight is that um, uh, the issues around the capacity of the state to deliver its mandate uh, in the context of human financial resources is important, but also in terms of coordination um, across all three spheres of government and across uh, various government departments and agencies, including stakeholders. I think that's a fundamental aspect that came out the manner in which we coordinate our work as it relates to children's issues, not just as government, but also with regards to stakeholders. I think that's an important aspect that really came out. And then, of course, um, the issue of capacity of social workers, the critical issue we continue to raise, 
uh, and that we're engaging uh, currently with the National Treasury uh, on a strategy in terms of how best we can absorb social workers. Now, this may be a long-term uh, uh, aspect, but in the short term, what we are doing is we're finding very creative ways through the Presidential Employment Stimulus Package and other uh, measures to ensure that we, we employ social workers, but we want a much more permanent solution require additional funding coming from the National Treasury, and we're actively lobbying in that regard. Uh, I'm not going to go to the next slide, safe to say that uh, we do acknowledge the challenges raised um, um, about uh, the provision of services by the department and government in general. However, um, we are going to focus uh, purely in this presentation uh, on issues that relate directly to the bill, whilst other matters uh, are being brought to the attention of the relevant authorities in our respective provinces. You can go to the next slide. Uh, this is just in terms of the nature of the comments I've already highlighted. There's some that fall within the scope of the bill, some that fall outside of the scope of the bill, which are intersectoral, and uh, some that fall completely outside of the scope of the bill, um, uh, but within the mandates of the department, such as substance abuse, gangsterism, etc. And these are issues that uh, we find the time and space to be able to address. In fact, the issues that we're addressing on a regular basis, but as I indicated in this presentation, we're really just going to focus on, um, on, on, on the specific, on the, on the amendments to the bill. Uh, and then, of course, um, uh, the, I already highlighted the importance of coordination, but the critical thing is around um, uh, the need for us to, you know, strengthen education and awareness of the provision of our services, because in some aspects you would have, find, you would have found that uh, some people actually don't know that there are services that are rendered by government and where they can access them. And I think that that's one of the critical things that came out. Just in terms of um, uh, general observations, um, just that uh, there are matters that are uh, covered uh, within the, the Children's Act, but not within the Amendment Bill, and I already in this indicated that. Um, but in this space, we're only going to focus those that cover the Children's Amendment Bill. Other issues like virginity testing uh, and uh, circumcision, etc., are critical matters, uh, and uh, we are addressing those uh, in, in a different manner outside of this particular presentation. And then um, I will skip the next, next slides, because uh, it's essentially things that I've spoken to just the matters that fall out of the scope of the presentation. Chairperson, we're going to go into the thrust of the presentation now. We'll deal with uh, the entire presentation, and I'm going to ask Luanda to go and take us from slide number, what is that, 14, I think it is. Yes, this is the one. Please go ahead, uh, Luanda. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable members. You can, uh, no, yes. Uh, Good morning, Chair President, uh, honorable members of the committee, uh, Minister. As indicated, you are nice, my name. Uh, and I will be presenting on the issues that have been raised uh, during the public hearings. And one of those issues is the uh, uh, adoption. Uh, the organizations that have presented on this, just to highlight. Uh, Aims is one is Alba, Mr. Nwaiwro, Professor Ed Skelton, Stella Pochaiglo, Law of Hope, Saswit, Komsa Catholic Institute of Education, Kangoo Adoptions, AFM Welfare, DAXA, Solidarity, Child Welfare South Africa, Women Legal Center, Child in Distress, that is Dindi. Uh, media monitoring, and we are fathers, we are parents. Uh, it is important to give this uh, uh, information in recognition of the uh, huge work that uh, civil society has played in shaping the status of this particular bill. 
what is key that was raised uh, by these organizations, uh, some of which are common uh, and uh, some of which are unique to a particular uh, stakeholder, uh, was the deletion uh, of uh, Section 249 and charging of fees. Uh, you will understand that uh, when one is transacting an adoption uh, process, uh, there is a need uh, to involve a number of professionals uh, like social workers, lawyers, medical practitioners, and all that. Uh, so there is an issue around the deletion of Section 249, uh, which uh, talks to the charging of fees, which we are going to explain in slides as to our. Uh, to that, the link between adoptions and child trafficking, uh, which has also been uh, indicated that there is no link, uh, that is, the people presented indicated that there is no link between the two, or there is no evidence to that effect, and we'll be responding to that. The delay of recommendation as contemplated in Section 29 of the Children's Act, which the HODs have to do. Uh, when an adoption uh, process uh, is taking place, the lengthy adoption uh, uh, process, why does it take so long? Uh, that is close to us. Uh, why uh, does it take so long to process an adoption? And the decline in numbers of adoption, it was indicated uh, that maybe because the department is not doing uh, sufficiently, that is why there is a decline in number of adoptions. Uh, which we have a response to that as to why the specialization in adoption, uh, because there was also an issue that adoption is a speciality and it cannot just be done by anyone. And the issues of temporary safe care, while a child is awaiting the penalization of an adoption transaction. Uh, moving further than that, we, we must uh, take into account that clause 132. Uh, six, uh, to delete uh, Section 249 of the Children's Act. This amendment is intended to delete reference to all fees that may be charged, as we had presented uh, some time earlier uh, before your uh, August uh, Committee, Honorable Chair and Honorable Members. Uh, the rationale behind this uh, amendment is to harmonize the provision of adoption services with the rest of other services in the Children's Amendment Act. Uh, why uh, we, we are seeing that, we are seeing uh, the Children's Act has got a number of services uh, that relate to the protection of children, adoption uh, being one of them. But nowhere in the Children's Act do you find uh, the, the reference to fees for other services that are there. So it's, it's a question of harmonizing. Uh, the provision with the rest of the other provisions in the Children's Act. And we, we, we further indicate that as a department, we, we reject the proposed uh, 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 amendment that uh, uh, we must reinstate Section 249 of the Children's Act uh, based on the number of reasons uh, that uh, we are advancing, uh, which are one, that the deletion of this section has nothing to do with prohibiting lawyers, social workers, and other such professionals from charging fees for services they render during the adoption process. It has got nothing. The deletion itself does not relate to a prohibition. 
when something is silent in legislation, it does not mean that this is prohibited. Uh, lawyers are charging their fees in terms of their own perspective uh, professional body. Uh, that's why we are saying fees by professionals for rendering uh, services are dealt with by their respective uh, uh, professional bodies. We understand that during the commentary uh, where the committee was posted around, there was an indication that it will take much time to establish uh, these uh, professional bodies. And I think there is a, a misunderstanding in that respect. We are not as a department in any way saying uh, the professional bodies must be established uh, in order to cater for the charging of fees. We are saying the professionals that are involved in the provision of um, adoption services already belong to uh, their own professional bodies. So those professional bodies are already in existence, and they are the ones who must speak to the fees. What I'm trying to bring here, uh, we are saying whether the, 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 the issue of fees is mentioned or not mentioned in this particular legislation, lawyers will always charge fees for the services they render. Medical practitioners will always charge fees in terms of the services uh, they render based on what their own uh, council or society uh, is, is prescribing them in terms of charging fees. So there is not going to be any professional body that is still to be established. The reference to professional bodies is in terms of existing professional bodies uh, which uh, these professionals belong to. So we are therefore saying there's no requirement for the establishment. Uh, it is therefore incorrect to say that the establishment of this bodies or council will take too long, as there is no merit in this particular issue. Uh, again, as I indicated, that uh, the deletion of section 249 does not prohibit professionals from charging uh, fees as, as indicated. So over and above, the department has uh, taken a decision uh, to manage adoptions in-house in order to mitigate the challenges of child trafficking, uh, abduction, child slavery, and the charging of exorbitant fees. Because there is so much uh, in terms of the fees that get to be charged. One website went through, I mean, uh, the fees that get to be charged, they go close to half a million rands. Uh, being shared, of course, amongst the professionals that are involved. And uh, it, it shouldn't be like that, uh, because at the end of the day, we must also ensure that we are uh, looking at issues of possible child trafficking when money is involved. And we, we said as a department that this is not a department's uh, position per se but it is a reconfirmation of a position of the inter-country inter adoption uh, convention, that is the Hague Convention. Because in its very preamble, the convention is indicating as follows, I quote, convinced of the necessity to take measures to ensure that inter-country adoptions are made in the best interest of the child and with respect uh, for his or her fundamental rights and to prevent abduction the sale of or traffic in children. Abduction, sale of traffic in children being our emphasis. It is not the department that is saying uh, the 
there is a possibility of child trafficking uh, in adoption uh, services. It is the Hague Convention itself. If, if we go beyond that and look at the uh, explanatory memoranda to the uh, Hague Convention itself, this issue was raised and it has always uh, been there that we must be circumspect uh, when we deal with issues of adoption as uh, there is the possibility of these issues uh, that have been uh, indicated. Uh, further than that, uh, the Hague Convention itself is very clear. There is no entitlement to intercountry adoption that a child must be taken to uh, another country and all that, which is what we uh, understand as reading the intercountry adoption convention as a department, because there is a principle of subsidiarity uh, that is very much entrenched in the uh, uh, convention itself, which says very first. If, if any person wants to uh, transact a child through intercountry adoption, it must be clear that the family first was considered. Mm. Because the issue of intercountry adoption must be a last resort. Mm. Uh, family must have been considered uh, first, and family is broader than the, uh, just the uh, biological kinship and all that. It extends I mean, to the extended family and the community at large and all that. And if that fails, there must be domestic possibilities that must be considered. Uh, that is in terms of this uh, particular article. But recalling that each state should, as a matter of priority, which is our emphasis, as a matter of priority, appropriate uh, measures uh, to enable the child uh, to remain in the care of his or her family of origin. We, we were trying to put things in shape as a department to say, I mean, there has been so much that has been happening because there must be proof that uh, indeed family first uh, was considered because we are domesticating a, a hate convention here as indicated in the Children's Act that the Hague Convention is law in the Republic, so it has been domesticated, and we need to practice intercountry adoption exactly in that fashion. We must not make intercountry adoption as a, an issue of first instance. It must be an issue of last instance, as uh, these articles uh, are indicating in the uh, Convention itself. And we must also recognize that, uh, as indicated in the article, uh, that intercountry adoption may offer the advantage of a permanent family to a child for whom a suitable family cannot be found, where a suitable family cannot be found in his or her state of origin. So we need to have that uh, being uh, recorded in that context, uh, honorable chair, honorable members, that a person who is transacting a child through an intercountry adoption process must be able to take the department into confidence that a suitable family cannot be found in his or her state of origin. Otherwise, if there is a prospective parents, adoptive parents register, that is where parents are looking for adopting children, and those parents are not considered first before we go for intercountry adoption, we will not be applying the law 
as it is required, because the intercultural doctrine is telling us that we must consider the state of origin first uh, before we can go uh, uh, across the, uh, the country. Uh, there the, the, the is also an issue that we, we were indicated around the uh, child trafficking and all that. Uh, there have been questions in the past uh, that are being asked. Is, is there a research in this uh, issue that uh, there is a link between child trafficking and uh, inter-country adoption? Uh, yes, there has been research, Honorable Members, Honorable Chair, uh, Minister, there has been a research that has been conducted uh, across the globe, but some of the scholars that we can just enumerate from that list is uh, John C. Brooke uh, and then David uh, Smalling uh, in the uh, journal articles that are entered in the Valparaiso uh, University. With regard to the work of C. Brooke, and there is an indication that intercultural adoption has always been event-based, if we start from there, and not, I'm sorry, and a humanitarian issue and not a, a, a fertility issue. What in uh, principle that means is that uh, even the manner we are dealing with the issue of uh, uh, intercountry adoption is not consistent uh, with what it, uh, its original purpose was. Because the original purpose was more humanitarian. When something uh, very bad had taken place in a country, that's what Joseph Brook is saying uh, in, in, in the New Yorker, uh, where his work is, is recorded. It's not the department, again, that is uh, that part is uh, confirming that of the opposition, which it also subscribes to, uh, that indeed uh, there should have been an event. There are examples that are listed in that particular work uh, 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 by John C. Brooke. Uh, to indicate that this is what happened during the Second World War when children were destitute and having no parents after the war. This is what happened, I mean, after the war uh, in, in Vietnam. This is what happened after the war uh, again in Korea. This is what happened uh, during the takeover uh, of uh, Cuba by uh, <coughs> Fidel Castro uh, from Batista. This is what happened uh, in China when the new uh, one-child policy was introduced. And the list goes on. This is showing us all the events that took place before a humanitarian approach would be considered in terms of uh, taking children uh, over to another country for adoption issue, not just an, 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 an issue uh, where a particular parent in California is interested in adopting a child in uh, Guanongoma. It has not been that particular uh, case or an environment. It has always been a case where uh, humanitarian issues were considered. And it, it has always been a, a, a political issue at a time until it became an executive issue. Uh, when the convention uh, uh, I mean, came into force, and again, still in that context, uh, the uh, executive is, is the one that is going, I mean, is having the responsibility uh, to implement uh, these uh, uh, international uh, conventions. 
So it is important to indicate that uh, it is based on this uh, particular issue to say uh, the executive uh, will have to take a decision uh, in this regard, looking at all the possibilities of challenges uh, that exist around the world uh, in order to ensure that the inter-country uh, adoption uh, is taking place. Again, with regard to uh, Davis Morin, uh, who confirms uh, what the group is saying, uh, there is also an issue around uh, that these uh, are the decisions of the states uh, to take this, uh, uh, what steps must be taken around in the country adoption or the implementation of such conventions. It is not necessarily an individual kind uh, of a, a situation where a child protection organization or an individual would decide that, no, I want my child we adopted in this particular country and all of that. So what the department is trying to do is to implement the Hague Convention in its uh, uh, correct form and also practice the inter-country adoption in its correct form. We must also understand, as I indicated there, that uh, this has always been event-based. Even the uh, Honorable uh, Minister then, uh, Dr. Zogos Preya, uh, may his soul rest in peace, uh, when he came to uh, sign the inter-country adoption to come to sign it, uh, when it, was, uh, it had to be signed uh, by the president, and when it uh, were, happened that the guidelines uh, for inter-country adoption were uh, published, he, he said the reason why the Republic of South Africa is signing the Hague Convention on Intercountry Adoption is because of the overflow of orphans that are caused by HIV and AIDS in the country. That was the rationale for signing the Hague Convention, not for any kind of a situation, because he was fully aware of the principle of subsidiarity when it comes to this issue that family must be considered first, and uh, the issue of crossing the border must be the last resort. Rather than that, uh, we, we, we also have uh, the challenge around Section 239, the, the recommendations that have to be made and uh, approved by the HODs. Uh, uh, if there is, I mean, everything is in order. So there was an indication that uh, there is a challenge. These uh, recommendation letters uh, are supposed to be issued within 30 days, but it's taking longer than that. And we, we can say uh, today that, uh, well, the Director General has written to all the HODs uh, to indicate that and the matter is under consideration. The HODs are aware. So it was quite just an issue of uh, implementation rather than the issue of an amendment of the law. Hence, the DG had indicated that in the beginning, some of the comments fell outside uh, the ambit of this uh, amendment. Better than that, there was an issue of lengthy adoption process. There was a complaint uh, from day one. Why does it take so long uh, 
uh, for an adoption transaction to complete. Uh, we, we, we must understand, uh, honorable and honorable members, that there are different processes that ought to be followed in, uh, in adoption, depending on the categories, of course, of children as the, the adoption practice guidelines. What is uh, key is the best interest of the child. And then, uh, again, there are so many external dependencies when it comes to an adoption. Uh, social development may play a role as social development, but tracing, which is done by someone outside the department, uh, we, we, we as a department have no control over that, but we are trying our best at all times to ensure that uh, this happens within uh, the uh, uh, agreed uh, period of time. The police clearance, which is done by the police, uh, we, we, we may not have a control as a department uh, as to uh, how, for how long the department of, of police must be able to uh, provide us with the police clearance, the screening of biological uh, and adoptive parents, uh, adopt, adoptability assessments, the court processes uh, alone, because the magistrates have got their own diaries uh, which we don't have uh, control over. We cannot tell a magistrate that, as a department, of course, that this process must take, not take longer than 30 days. So I think there is something that we need to do more as a department. We're not trying to be dismissive, honorable chair and honorable members, uh, when we present uh, this particular scenario, but we are trying to indicate that where there is an external dependency, it is not uh, easy to, uh, uh, to, to deal with these issues, but we are working very hard to ensure that we are addressing these issues. Uh, and of course, that's an issue of intersectorality, uh, because this is an intersectoral arrangement. We've got different departments uh, that are uh, involved, or different organs of state, if I may be precise, that are involved in all this. So that is why roughly an adoption process would take uh, about a year with all the shortcomings it has, but the department is really uh, working on that. Uh, there was also an issue uh, around the decline uh, in the number of adoptions uh, that, we, that, that we have um, as, as a country. Uh, one of the issues that was uh, raised was that uh, the reduction of uh, numbers uh, may be caused by the challenges the department has. And we are saying uh, with regard to that, no, it's not necessarily about the challenges, although we do acknowledge the challenges as uh, indicated in terms of the issue of intersectorality, but also uh, the decline uh, when we uh, viewed the global status is as a result of countries getting wiser about the link between inter-country adoptions and child trafficking and other such related matters. There is uh, a decline, not of adoptions in the country alone, but a decline of inter-country adoptions across the globe. Uh, the decline is, is, is not caused by, as has been indicated during the hearings, uh, of an inter-country adoption sentiment or just uh, domestic uh, uh, adoption sentiment, but 
a realization of the risk associated uh, with the process, including child trafficking, uh, which we have spoken to as the, the art, uh, articles in uh, the Hague Convention and also the preamble there too. The issues of uh, possible abduction, uh, the mining of body parts, forced child uh, prostitution, drug mules, and such uh, related uh, instances, which have made countries to reassess their status uh, when it comes to either country adoption issues. Uh, there has also been uh, an issue of uh, improved social security systems in different countries, uh, where uh, countries have uh, improved their social security systems, as we indicated at some stage when we presented before your good selves, honorable chair and honorable members, uh, to say uh, even South Africa has a good uh, social security net uh, that can take care of uh, the children as uh, from the domestic perspective, as we indicated that if the family is not possible, but domestically we also have to deal with uh, that. So it should also be noted that priority is given to parental care. That's another cause for decline. Uh, the priority is given to parental care and family preservation, which is the principle of uh, uh, subsidiarity that we alluded to earlier. And adoption is the last resort, and that is a personal choice and cannot be imposed on an individual. However, the department remains uh, committed to creating an awareness on adoption. Because one of the issues that we picked up was that uh, during the hearings is, is that uh, some of the issues that uh, the department or the programs that the department is uh, providing uh, the, are there. It's just that people are not aware. So in that context, uh, there is a need for more awareness raising. Uh, if, if, if we look at this particular slide, uh, honorable chair, honorable members, uh, you will take note of the fact that as I indicated, uh, that the decline in numbers of adoptions is not a South African issue, as it was uh, alleged during the public hearings. It is, a, it is a global issue. All the countries in the world, as I, I uh, uh, indicated, are getting wiser and wiser each day. If we look at what was happening in China in 2004, uh, we'll see there were 7,038 cases of adoption. But when you look at the uh, case scenario in uh, 2018, 1,475. So there is a decline. And the reason for that is because China is uh, busy. Uh, in fact, at the time, China was busy amending its legislation so that it tightens the screws that are loose uh, in the uh, inter-country adoption system. Because this status is more on inter-country adoption cases. And even if you look at Russia, Russia had uh, 5,862 cases in 2004. But in 2018, uh, China, uh, 2017, zero, 2018, zero. And the rationale uh, for that uh, was that China took a decision that, uh, sorry, Russia took a decision that Russian children must be raised in Russia. And that, that is what they said and they amended their legislation uh, accordingly. That is why they are sitting at zero, because they 
uh, that they spotted a challenge uh, in the adoption uh, process. So the, the list goes on as uh, those countries, uh, I will not go each, uh, to each country, but uh, what I can say is a summary with regard to all these countries, that uh, the reason for the decline in adoption cases has been caused by uh, the realization that there are challenges in the adoption system, more especially in the country adoption uh, uh, services, and these countries are amending their legislation in order to tighten uh, the, those uh, students that are loose in the process, as we hereby do as the Republic of South Africa, to say we are also subscribing to that uh, information that indeed there are challenges uh, in this space. So that is the reason for the decline uh, of uh, the cases on adoption. It's not an anti-adoption uh, sentiment. It is the reality that is taking place out there. Because, for instance, in Russia, one of the cases that uh, made Russia to take a, a, a instant decision was when a child was adopted in America, and that particular child was just and uh, take it back home alone, the 12-year-old, the flight with the letter in her school bag, you know, to come back, uh, back to Russia. And then that was the end of the uh, uh, transaction. And Russia took a decision around that particular issue. The specialization in adoption services, the department is providing ongoing uh, training to equip and empower social workers uh, who render adoption services. Uh, because there was a lament during hearings that said, no, uh, adoption is a specialty, it cannot be done by uh, social workers in the public sector, it is only meant for social workers uh, who work 24 7, uh, not those who work from 9 to 4. Uh, that, that was indicated during the hearings. So we, we, we are saying, yes, we acknowledge that it is specialization, but we must also understand that uh, uh, adoption itself is an inherent child protection service that every social worker is trained to render. It is not a matter of uh, private sector versus public sector kind of a thing. So every social worker uh, is inherently trained uh, uh, in that space, but now the uh, department is augmenting that uh, training uh, with uh, something so that we can, as a department, provide uh, the adoption services and not allow adoption services to be specifically the function of a uh, private sector because there is no such a thing uh, with regard to all the other services that we provide as a department. Uh, these services are provided by social workers uh, throughout uh, the uh, system. So it is incorrect that uh, social workers and government are not competent to deal with issues of adoption. As I indicated that adoption is an inherent child protection service that every social worker has been schooled in uh, during their curriculum. Uh, again, the issue of uh, uh, placing a child uh, temporarily um, uh, with a family, with a prospective family, 
the indication is that the placement may not be in the best interest of the child, as screening is for permanent placement. So we cannot place a child as a department temporarily because that's not what the screening was all about. And uh, there are challenges, even if we were to do that as a department, uh, there would be challenges uh, with regard to the expectation that the uh, potential adoptee might have, and also the expectation or with regard to the uh, adoptive uh, parents. If in the long run things change, uh, and the child is already bonding or has already bonded uh, with the prospective family, and it appears that the, the I mean, circumstances in that particular family change uh, before the actual adoption has been finalized. So this may be, uh, create a lot of challenges and uh, may not be uh, in the best interest of a child because it would definitely create or will have led to a false expectation and thus have disastrous uh, consequences, uh, not only for the child, but also for the uh, prospective family. Uh, that concludes the uh, adoption issue. And further than that, we also uh, received commentary uh, on the amendment bill, sorry, on the foster care uh, in the amendment bill which was, uh, as the minister uh, uh, in her opening remarks indicated, uh, led by the North Houghton High Court order uh, in seeking the comprehensive legal solution and the amendment uh, of the legislation as the order, uh, what the order indicated. So in this particular regard, uh, we must understand that part of this legislation uh, is being amended because of this order. So it's a twofold kind of an amendment. There are general amendments that were already in the pipeline when this uh, particular order uh, was issued by the North Houghton High Court. So we also addressed uh, the issue of uh, the foster care challenges and the backlog, uh, which we have always been presenting before Parliament from time to time. Uh, the organizations uh, that were presented on this, uh, again, with Professor uh, Skelton in her individual capacity, Center for Child Law, Children's Institute, uh, Children in Stress, Concert, Jelly Beans, Give uh, a Child Family, Stelcare, uh, Stellenbosch, and District Family Services, and SAMCO. So these are the organizations. We must also take into account count uh, honorable chair, honorable members, but there were also individuals uh, who made a presentation, but we don't have the list. In fact, we do have, but we have not put uh, the names of those individuals from all the districts uh, that we visited as a committee, as it would have made this document very much cumbersome if we had to do that. Uh, the key issues that we raised around uh, uh, the foster care was uh, uh, that were children in need of care and protection, particularly often and abandoned children in the care of family member. Uh, extension of love to foster care orders in terms of section 159 of the Act, uh, the monitoring of foster care placement in terms of section 186 of the Act, 
uh, caregivers in the cluster foster care scheme, uh, placement of a child with a foster parent uh, who is part of a foster uh, uh, cluster foster care scheme. So, with regards to, to, to that, as, as we respond, uh, uh, firstly, on the protection, uh, particularly often and abandoned children in the care of a family member, uh, the, the distinction between children who have uh, bonded with their families and those who have not bonded uh, has to be uh, taken into account. So the department, uh, with regard to that, supports the proposal by the Center for uh, Child Law and Children's Institute and Professor uh, Skelton. So the bill be amended to cater uh, uh, for the proposed amendments if the committee so agrees uh, to that. But as a department, we agree with that proposal. And as we indicated uh, in the opening remarks, uh, there is also a matrix that we'll go through at the end of this presentation where we show how this has been affected uh, at the end of the day. The extension of last care orders in terms of section 159 of the Act, there was an indication that the period of foster care extension is an overstretch of the law. There must be a transitional period of three to five years. Uh, that was the comment that was received. And with our indication as the department is that the department does not support the proposal based on the fact that a period of six months that we have suggested as a department uh, in the uh, amendment bill uh, is reasonable to allow the magistrates uh, to process the extension of the foster care orders. This is actually in line with section 48 of the Act because if the Act says a foster care order must be for a period of two years and that can be extended, it would not make a legal sense to extend a two-year uh, order uh, for a period of three years or a period of five years. And Section 48 is also giving that uh, kind of an understanding that Section 48 of the Children's Act, that the magistrates, yes, they do have the power already without this bill being in place. They already have a power to extend. Uh, so we we are granting them that uh, in terms of this amendment bill, that a period of six months would be reasonable. We therefore reject the proposal of three years to five years, because we would be creating a new law uh, if we do that. Uh, the issue of monitoring uh, of foster care placements, uh, is no longer necessary in the context of this bill. Uh, it was also raised during the hearings. Uh, the department does not support this view uh, because the whole purpose of monitoring of foster care placements is to serve the best interest of the child. So it is already a key ingredient of the child protection services. Uh, there is no way uh, the, the issue uh, must be reinserted in the process already. There. Uh, it's no longer necessary. The department is doing exactly that. Uh, with regard to caregivers in the cluster foster care scheme, uh, there, there was an issue that the division of cluster foster care scheme must include district offices. And the understanding of the department is that uh, the district office may uh, derive that power or function from a delegation by the HOT. Because the information or the 
the, the issue at, at, at hand in terms of the act is that the HOD does have the power, the DG does have the power, and the act does provide for the DG and the HOD delegate such power to any official in the department. So it would not make sense now to create a, a, a another way and say the district offices must have that particular power because inherently by virtue of a delegation from the DG, uh, those who are in that space will definitely have uh, that power. So the Children's Act uh, does allow, as I indicated, for that delegation and therefore it is not necessary. So if we were to support this view, it would mean that we would, it would have the word district or local appearing in every provision of the legislation, as indeed all the functions, all the 99% of the functions in the uh, Children's Act are in the normal course of events ordinarily performed by officials in such offices, uh, not necessarily by officials, in, I mean by the DG, or the HODs themselves. So in any event, those officials, they do have that power um, through delegation of powers, which the uh, act itself does provide for. Uh, the placement of uh, foster care parents, uh, who is not part of a cluster foster care scheme, the issue that was raised uh, was that there must be a placement of that parent who is uh, in the cluster for scheme who is not part of that. So the impracticality of placing a child with a foster parent who is uh, part of a, foster, a cluster foster care scheme uh, is, is, is that uh, it may be uh, easy uh, to, to, to deal with this issue at all uh, material times. Hence, the department supports this view and has effected the necessary amendment to the relevant clause in the matrix that has been attached uh, here too, which is part of this document. Uh, the other issue was around the uh, child uh, protection register, uh, which is uh, also a, a thorny issue as per the comments that were received. Again, Center for Child Law, Child Line, uh, South Africa, Jerry Beans, GS South Africa, Professor Skelton, Solidarity, Child Welfare Society, Children's Institute, uh, made comments uh, around this issue. And uh, comments, uh, although they led to the same thing, but they varied uh, slightly, and we have uh, addressed that uh, in, in that uh, context. Uh, the issues that they, they raised, uh, uh, that is the organizations and the individuals we have just cited, whether there is a delay in the screening or issuing uh, of screening outcomes. A much simpler method is already available in the criminal records uh, department, that is the SAPS uh, section. Uh, in that way, we can just uh, move back Register to SAPS and the proposed amendment of section 124A and 5 and the proposed reinstatement of the adjective substantiated in section 114 of the Act, uh, which we support and the deletion of part B of the register. So these are the issues 
that were raised. And this is how we responded uh, as a department to such issues. Uh, we must indicate, uh, honorable chair, honorable members, that as a department, we have addressed uh, such a shortcoming with regard to delay uh, in terms of section 125 of the act by giving effect to its uh, proper implementation. The challenge was more on the uh, implementation of section 125, which has since uh, taken place. The backlog has uh, since been cleared and the results are now available immediately. You just send your ID number, it's entered there, you get your results uh, within the printing of an eye. So the system is now automated and the child protection organizations and the provinces can now access the information. So there is no delay anymore in that aspect. Uh, the issue of the uh, that is much simpler, that is the much simpler method where there is a need for deletion of part B of the register and moving it to SAPS. We, we uh, arrived uh, as a department at a conclusion that we should not support this view because SAPS records are only limited to convictions, whereas part uh, B records of the department include both convictions and records of various forms. For example, a case of abuse that is dealt with in a disciplinary proceeding or civil courts will not automatically be available uh, in the South African uh, Police Service Criminal Records Center. So the information, in other words, that is in part B of the register goes beyond what SAPS has. So uh, it, it is not easy uh, to just move it there. So the department does not uh, support the deletion of part B of the register for reasons that uh, we have just advanced. So the uh, proposed amendment of section uh, uh, 120 uh, for A and uh, 5. So the department uh, in this uh, issue does not support the proposed amendment uh, of section 120 to include sexual offenses and persons convicted uh, of the specified offenses persons convicted in foreign places of safety who must be deemed uh, unsuitable uh, to help the children. Section 20 of the, is this because Section 20 of the Act already caters for the proposed amendment by the Center for Child Law. The issue of attempts uh, will be dealt with by the private members bill uh, that uh, we, uh, we advised that was before the parliament when this was uh, dealt with and we did not want to duplicate the laws uh, because the principle is very clear that uh, parliament uh, is expected to be aware of existing laws so we cannot uh, have two laws referring to the same thing otherwise we will create uh, confusion and further than that uh, from a legal point of view it is understood that attempt is a crime uh, or is also if a person is convicted of attempted murder, attempted uh, rape, attempted assault, and all that, still uh, that will reflect as a criminal conviction. There is no point of uh, adding attempts uh, to uh, this particular uh, uh, case. 
We propose reinstatement of the adjective substantiated in section 114 of the Act is supported, and the proposed amendment of the adjective uh, is um, uh, effected uh, as will be demonstrated in the metrics that we will go through uh, as part of our presentation and the deletion of part B of the register, as we have indicated earlier, because it was one, the inclusion of the uh, part B in the SAPS, and also the deletion as a standalone, which we said we don't support uh, the deletion, uh, as the SAPS records are in, uh, insufficient, as we have indicated in uh, our previous uh, slide, uh, to three previous slides. So the department does not support uh, the deletion as has been indicated earlier. So the, one of the key issues was the, uh, that was raised by uh, Jenny Bills on the intersectoral implementation of the act. Uh, failure of the child uh, protection system in South Africa to work as a collective across all players in the system, including government and civil society, uh, and the indication that the bill omits NPOs and civil society as role players uh, on in the provision of child protection services. So these are the key issues that uh, were raised by JDBs, uh, and we, um, we we have responded in a manner that uh, we, we don't support uh, what uh, Julie Beans uh, is, is referring to, because the National Child Care and Protection uh, Policy of 2019 is already making provision uh, for this. And further than that, the department refused that the policy is failing to promote intersectoral work across various sectors, because the nature of the work of the department is exactly that. It is an intersectoral kind of work. It is more uh, involving of other stakeholders, and it is happening in that way. So it is not clear as to what exactly that is failing per se, but overall, uh, in an overall, we understand that the department is working tirelessly with uh, all the role players. So we do not uh, accept that view. Um, the issue of the, the role of organization in the provision of child care protection services, uh, which is in terms of section one of uh, section five of the Children's Act, uh, we must also understand that section one zero seven of the Act does designate civil society organizations, contrary to what uh, is indicated. If one reads section one zero seven of the Act. It does provide for child protection uh, civil society organizations to deliver child protection services. So Section 105 mandates the department to make funding available to civil society to deliver services. So if it was not inclusive uh, of the civil society organizations, we would not have been uh, such provisions in the uh, Children's Act. So. In other words, we do not support the view raised by uh, uh Organizations uh, uh, relating to parental responsibilities and rights, uh, which is another topic uh, that is uh, 
that was taken into account. Uh, the organizations, as their names, uh, Garika Silva, Child Care Society, Songbird, uh, Gender Justice, Children in Distress, Center for Child Law, Professor Dikok, Fathers for Justice, Sorobon uh, Mondlane, DA South Africa, Kori Machila, JB's Children Institute, Commission for Gender Equality, Comsa. Uh, House of Traditional Leaders, uh, Professor Eskelton, uh, Give a Child a Family, Stern uh, Legal Aid South Africa, Stern Wash, uh, Stern Care and District Family Services, Child Lines South Africa, Sanko, and almost uh, all the provinces uh, raised the issue about uh, the parental uh, responsibility and rights. And what are the issues say, that were raised and uh, that we took note of? Uh, the 50-50 rule regarding parental rights and responsibility for both biological parents, which was stressed throughout that each uh, partner in, uh, uh, in a marriage or in, a, in another setup must have uh, such rights on equal basis. The issues of parental alienation, cultural practices, and requirement to pay damages in order to exercise parental responsibilities and rights in terms of Section uh, 21 and the maternal preference. So, Starting with the 50-50 rule regarding parental rights and responsibilities for both biological parents, the department does note the proposal that the Act must make um, it clear that parents, whether married or not, should exercise their responsibilities and rights. However, the department rejects uh, this proposal and contends that it is not always possible and cannot be made a matter of law as in this bill because um, some parents may not be what they're sorry, fit and proper. Uh, although they have got, they are both biological parents, but uh, they may not be uh, all fit and proper. This may also create a lot of challenges when it comes to court processes, say divorce matters and issues of fighting for custody and, and all that. So if we put it in this legislation, we may be creating a challenge for the courts and in a way usurping their powers, which we are not expected to do as parliament. Uh, if we were to say, let there be 50-50, because there would be nothing to um, argue about in court. The law would be already in black and white. And these circumstances differ uh, from case to case. And we cannot have a blanket kind uh, of a, a provision in a legislation and say, let there be 50-50. Let the courts decide uh, when time comes as to who uh, has what share under the circumstances, rather than to put it as, as a blanket uh, provision here. Furthermore, parenting arrangements and parenting uh, plans may be drafted to address care arrangements between parents whenever there is a need uh, to do so. So that is why we are not in support of this particular uh, issue. 
So the other issue uh, that we need to take into account uh, uh, is the uh, criminalization uh, of parental alienation. So the department takes note of the proposal regarding criminalization of parental alienation. However, it is not implementable as it is not sound in law. Because uh, the definition of abuse includes the act of exposing or subjecting a child uh, to behavior that may harm the child psychologically or emotionally, inherently uh, parental alienation in a sense is a form of child abuse as defined in the Children's Act because it is, a, uh, it is psychologically and emotionally harmful uh, to a child. So if we were to uh, further um, uh, legislate on that, we would be duplicating uh, that which is already in existence. So uh, the proposal to amend Section 35 to address parental alienation is already categorized in the Act as refusal of access, refusal uh, to exercise parental responsibilities and rights and penalties uh, for offenders. That is why the department is, is not um, amenable to uh, the idea that this has to be also taken into uh, legislation and crafted accordingly. Uh, again, with regard to cultural practices and requirements to pay damages, the department does acknowledge that there are certain conditions and cultural practices that unmarried biological fathers, uh, black fathers in particular, have to fulfill in order to exercise parental responsibilities and rights in terms of Section 811. So these include uh, paying off the damages. So in other words, the matter is already taken care of in terms of the legislation, but the idea is that it is uh, a fact that South Africa is a cosmopolitan country and we belong to different cultures uh, over and above that and traditions. And if we were to have a cross-cutting kind of a provision that would make it uh, possible for uh, the non-payment of damages or payment of damages by everyone, uh, it would be very difficult to deal with that. Hence, the department is indicating that in order to remedy this, the amendment of Section uh, 21 uh, is to be effected and replace the word and uh, with the word or between Sections 21, uh, 1, uh, B, 2, and 3. So we must accept that uh, understanding that, yes, uh, when it comes to issues of tradition, customs, and all that, uh, we may differ. Uh, as there are unique cases in the country due to the nature of the country South Africa is. Uh, this will also allow uh, fathers who meet either of the three requirements as indicated in the uh, in section 21 uh, to exercise parental responsibilities and rights. So the department is indicating that it does acknowledge this but it does need to be circumspect in terms of how to deal with this particular issue, taking into account the cosmopolitan nature uh, of the country and the difference in the communities in terms of applying uh, these issues. 
The issue of maternal preference, the department agrees with the proposal to amend section 21 to insert a new provision that allows a biological father who satisfies section 21 conditions to acquire parental responsibilities and rights in the event of the death, incapacitation, or disappearance of the mother. So this would address the perceived issue of My personal request the department uh, is, uh, is in agreement with this particular uh, amendment that has been uh, proposed. Uh, we will be indicating in the or showing in the metrics how we have dealt with that. And the other issue is about organizations that uh, present that on child or abandonment, the issue of abandonment. That is CCL being the Center for Child Law, Children's Institute, Stell Care, Stell Bosch, and District Family Services. And the issues they raised uh, with regard to that is the minimum allowable age of a person to enter marriage, which is 18 years, regardless of the sex of the person, missed the opportunity to define. Uh, child and forced marriages within the context of South Africa. The protection mechanism in the Children's Act should include the prevention of children from entering marriage and also the issue of harmonization of legislation that is Children's Act, the Marriage Act, and the Recognition of Customary Marriages Act and Civil Unions Act, and all such other related pieces of legislation that refer to marriages in South Africa. So the commentary was around that. Uh, the issue of 18 years, that is the inclusion of provision to provide for mandatory reporting uh, obligations of suspended for, uh, suspected forced marriages by relevant persons, uh, such as teachers, social workers, and GSD uh, uh, accepts this view and supports this view that there must be uh, that kind of an uh, alarm. Uh, we should believe that it is already taking place. That's how we get to know about this information from time to time. Otherwise, if it was not for that kind of an alarm, we would not be able to hear of such stories. Um, and then again, no child uh, can be given away into a child marriage. Yes, uh, we agree uh, with regards to this. Uh, that uh, a child uh, cannot be given away to marriage, that must be a criminal offence, uh, because uh, the, the Act does need to provide that a person must be uh, of age 18 and above in order to consent uh, to marriage. And any person who, who does something contrary to that will be uh, creating uh, or committing an offence, and DSD supports this view because the purpose of this amendment is also to ensure that uh, only persons of 18 uh, and above can be uh, regarded as uh, fit for marriage uh, purposes. Uh, Protection uh, mechanisms in the Children's uh, Act ambit uh, should include the prevention of children from entering uh, marriage. Uh, so the department supports the amendment of Section 12.2 uh, 
to include minimum age of consent to marriage to be 18 years without exception. Uh, we, we were also consulted with the Department uh, of Home Affairs at the time, because in terms of the Marriage Act of South Africa, uh, the commissioner may uh, give consent where parents don't, uh, where children are under the age of 18. So we are requesting the removal of that particular provision that the consent can be given by the marriage, uh, sorry, uh, the commissioner uh, at home affairs. So the person must be of the age of 18 and above in order to uh, be in the marriage. The issue of harmonization of legislation, that is uh, Children's Act, Marriage Act, and the recognition of customary uh, marriages act and civil unions. Uh, yes, we do accept, as uh, we indicated before, that GST uh, supports uh, this view of harmonization, uh, but only to the extent that uh, it relates uh, to marriages, because there is another challenge with regard to pieces of legislation that uh, have got different um, capacities in terms of age. Um, so we, 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 we won't be tempering with that, but uh, with regard to marriages, yes, there must be harmonization uh, with regard to these pieces uh, of legislation. So the organizations that presented on surrogacy, uh, Professor Anne Skelton and Center for Child Law, they he raised an issue that uh, commissioning parents, uh, I'm sorry, around uh, commissioning parents and surrogate uh, motherhood agreements. And the, uh, uh, the proposal was that there must be a replacement of the word commissioning uh, with intending and the phrase surrogate motherhood with surrogacy agreement, which I used internationally. And as a department, we agreed that Yes, we need uh, to align our terminology uh, with the uh, international uh, um, uh, terminology. So we accepted the proposal. The, there was also an issue around corporal punishment, uh, that is organizations that uh, raised uh, concerns around corporal punishment and skeleton. Employee uh, family, socket justice, center for child law, stale care, stale and bosch, and district family services, uh, save the children South Africa, children in distress, children's institute, jelly beans, world vision South Africa, and South Africa National Child Rights Coalition. Uh, so these organizations they raised an issue one around the insertion of a new definition of corporal punishment, the insertion of a new subsection 11 under section 12 of the Act to make provisions uh, for the ban of corporal punishment. Uh, and as the department, we are saying we do not support uh, this view, as it may have unintended consequences. We, we are however saying as DSD, it will, it will be prudent for us to uh, include the guidelines that re uh, regulate uh, the issue of positive uh, parenting and such related matters, rather than to have uh, the proposed um, uh, issues. For example, if we were to insert a definition of the uh, 
corporal punishment uh, going against the, the rules for legislating. Because corporal punishment is corporal punishment in its ordinary course of business. In order to define anything in legislation, it must either be limiting the ordinary definition or extending the ordinary definition and the likes. So if we are defining a word that carries its ordinary meaning in the same well, with the same definition that is in the dictionary, it, it does not serve purpose in legislation. So we cannot define this word as a department. And further than that, uh, we will be creating a false impression. Uh, we'll be creating a false impression if we were to ban corporal punishment in, in our legislation, because corporal punishment is, low, is already outlawed in the country. We must remember the constitutional court judgment that dealt with the, the matter of reasonable chastisement uh, in the country, which reasonable chastisement was uh, a defense mechanism uh, for, for any person uh, who admonishes a, a child. But now reasonable chastisement has, in terms of the constitutional court uh, judgment, been outlawed. Uh, in the Republic of South Africa. So by virtue of it having been outlawed, it means corporal punishment then is, 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 is automatically outlawed. So there is no reason uh, for us when there is a constitutional court judgment that has outlawed uh, reasonable chastisement to also uh, ban corporal punishment uh, in the Children's Act. Uh, we, we must take note that, yes, uh, with regard to the South African Schools Act, this provision is there that talks to the prohibition of corporal punishment uh, at schools. It's because uh, that particular legislation was uh, drafted before uh, the passing of this particular judgment. So uh, it, it, is a, it is a provision that is meaningless uh, uh, in any way. So. In, in other words, corporal punishment is regarded as, as assault. It's already a common law crime. Anyone who punishes a child is, I mean, who beats up a child uh, is, is, is already uh, committing a crime of assault, depending on the gravity of that. It was even the nature of the case that went to constitutional court. The parent was saying he was just disciplining a child. Uh, but the Constitutional Court understood the discipline to be more than just uh, disciplining a child, but going beyond that and uh, was regarded as, uh, as too severe uh, for the punishment of a child. So in other words, if we were to define corporal punishment, we would, we would be creating a false impression that only corporal punishment is outlawed. Whereas even the most uh, minor or insignificant beating of a child is also outlawed and is classified as, 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 as assault uh, in, the, uh, in the country. And as we indicated, we are uh, able I mean, to provide guidelines for uh, positive parenting and all that. And we must also take into account that uh, if we were to take the judgment of the Constitutional Court and transcribe it into legislation, we would be doing something that is not uh, acceptable 
because the duty of parliament is not to rewrite the law as it is expected to be aware of existing laws. The law, in terms of common law, already exists. That reasonable chastisement is no longer part of our law in the country. Therefore, corporal punishment automatically fall, uh, falls by the roadside. So the only the exceptional rules where we can uh, amend the common law, but unfortunately, as a means of legislation, but unfortunately, this is not one of those uh, circumstances because this is a constitutional judgment, which we, we cannot just uh, amend by uh, this particular legislation. Uh, uh, again, uh, the issue uh, of, of Section 12, uh, which is indicated, so the proposal uh, to amend Section 12 is, is, is not supported uh, by the department uh, for reasons uh, that uh, we have just advanced as a department. Organizations that uh, presented on an unaccompanied finals, uh, Legal Aid South Africa presented Center for Child Laws of Bini and Comsa are the organizations that uh, commented on that. Uh, there was a need for the inclusion of birth registration and documentation in the, uh, in the bill, and the department does not support uh, this particular view because uh, the registration of birth is already contemplated in the Birth and Death Registration Act, and the Department of uh, Home Affairs is the responsible department to deal with it. Again, it goes with that principle that I alluded to. Uh, so we can't be duplicating the laws. Uh, everything that has got to do with the registration of pets and all that is the prerogative of the Department of Home Affairs, not of this particular department. And these laws, when they apply, are, are, are read together uh, from a normal point of view. Uh, the issue around the uh, filming publication of information to children, Philippines Center for uh, Child Law, Children's Institute, uh, Professor Skelton, uh, the deletion of Section 3 and reinstatement of Clause 32 in the bill. Uh, that is the issue that was raised. So the, the department does not support uh, the deletion of, of Clause 3. Uh, clause 36 to insert a new section 6 capital A, which will provide for the protection of children's rights to privacy and information. But the department does uh, support the reinstatement of clause 32 of the bill. But we must take into account that with regards to issues of uh, privacy and rights of uh, children and information, there are so many laws that are already in existence and that have been passed, like the Films and Publications uh, Bill that became law uh, parallel to the development of this uh, particular uh, legislation, and uh, the Propia, uh, which also uh, got to come into force uh, late last year, and all such related pieces of legislation which uh, deal with issues of protection of uh, information and privacy. So it is not necessary uh, for us to duplicate uh, same as uh, these laws, as we have uh, indicated, that they must coexist and be read uh, together uh, side by side. 
And we must also take into account that if uh, children do appear before the courts, uh, the magistrates would also have discussion in terms of what needs to be publicized and what uh, cannot be publicized. And that will be an application uh, within an application uh, during the hearing uh, itself. And that will be determined at that stage. So if we include it here, we we'll also be in a way usurping the powers uh, of the courts uh, of the magistrates. The issue of uh, disability, uh, Center for Child Law, Jelly Beans, Western Cape Forum for Intellectual Disability and Equal Education Center, uh, they raised an issue around the definition uh, of uh, disability. The department uh, supports the proposal to include the definition uh, of uh, disability, but it is also uh, uh, it is also problematic in the sense that uh, we've got different types of disabilities, so we have to take into account that uh, a definition that is really all-inclusive, which is very much difficult to uh, coin. Uh, 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 is dealt with, but uh, we agree to that proposal. So again, the issue of uh, intersex that was uh, raised uh, by uh, uh, one uh, of the people who commented uh, during that time, uh, the, the clause which is uh, in the bill uh, provides for the provision, uh, prohibition of all forms of genital uh, mutilation. We do have a provision in the bill, but I, uh, we do understand that there was a need to separate between the two, of which the understanding of the department was that uh, the issues of intersex uh, surgical operations uh, and all that fall within the ambit of uh, genital mutilation because the, the the provision does not say uh, prohibition of uh, genital mutilation, but all forms. Uh, we, we, we must understand that uh, there, there is a case uh, that uh, got to be uh, passed in, um, in Colombia, uh, which was about unrestricted rights to give consent for cosmetic genital surgeries performed uh, on intersex children, uh, which uh, effectively restricted uh, what can be done uh, to children too young to give informed consent. Uh, the question might be, but how is this case related to us in South Africa? We must take into account that Section uh, 39 of the Constitution does provide for the recognition of uh, or consideration of foreign law. In, a, in an event where there is a need to do so. Uh, Section 39 of the Constitution provides that uh, when interpreting any right in the Bill of Rights, every court forum or tribunal may consider uh, uh, foreign law and must consider international law. So this falls within the scope of uh, foreign uh, law. Uh, we, we may need to consider this case in applying our minds uh, as a department uh, in trading in this particular uh, space because uh, it is a very complicated space to legislate on. 
will always be guided by uh, the uh, parliament in this regard, because the challenge with this particular uh, issue is that you have a number of uh, instances where there is a difference of opinion. Uh, in, in the journals that we viewed, you find a situation where a child is not comfortable with the fact that uh, he or she was operated to be a particular gender. A child, when uh, he or she grows up, uh, in terms of those uh, 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 testimonies, one of the children gave a testimony that says, uh, I should have been raised as a boy. That is how uh, she felt at the end of the day. And the other one said, I should have been raised as a girl. And the other one would say, I should not have been raised either as a boy or as a girl. And how do you deal with this particular situation at a later stage in life? Uh, because there was this kind of an operation that uh, happened to this particular child. So it is quite a dicey situation. And in this case, uh, it is a situation where a parent uh, had to take uh, the hospital uh, to court uh, for uh, operating a child uh, who was 16 months at a time. Uh, but the, what is key is that the parent won. But I mean, the child neither gave the consent nor the parent uh, gave the consent uh, that the child uh, be uh, treated in this uh, particular fashion. Uh, so that, that is why we may need to look at this particular case and uh, apply our minds uh, as the department and also be able to deal with this particular issue. So it, it is quite a challenge uh, because we don't, want, we don't know what the child would raise later in life in terms of whether the operation was correct or was incorrect or it favored him or it did not favor him. So that is why we had to cite this uh, particular case. And as we said, while the ruling does not directly affect intersex people in other countries, uh, as it was stated, uh, including South Africa, but it does show that it is possible to change the medical practice through uh, legal advocacy, uh, which is what uh, we need to uh, look into. And it also assists South Africa to learn from what other countries are saying about this matter. And as I indicated, that yes, we have all the powers to do so because Section 39 of the Constitution does provide uh, for that. And several rights uh, that get to be affected because in, in case somebody asks, but there are no rights that are affected, uh, but the Constitution, uh, uh, does uh, provide for the rights, uh, like the right to life, the right to privacy. These are the rights that are likely to be affected uh, when uh, the surgical uh, operation uh, takes place. So there is uh, also the issue of prohibition against torture, a right to physical integrity or autonomy. And what is very key, again, is that and the best interest of the child to be taken into account uh, in this regard. But sometimes it is a very difficult uh, terminology 
to, 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 to deal with uh, because uh, the child is not involved at this stage and we don't know what the child wants uh, because it is still at a very uh, early stage. So in this particular case, I mean, there was an award, uh, a financial award, meaning that the hospital itself had lost the case and the parents were made. But this is uh, what I've been trying to explain uh, in the previous slides, that yes, the case was successful and the hospital had to pay the parents uh, for this kind of uh, an issue. Um, again, with regard to the ECD sector and the issues that uh, were raised, uh, the Director General, in his opening remarks, uh, which uh, uh, he, he put forward for the department, ECD is moving in the next fortnight. Uh, it will no longer be part of the Department of Social Development. So all the comments that were made for ECG uh, are part of the Children's Second, uh, second Amendment Bill, uh, which the typical team, uh, inclusive of the sector and the Department uh, of Basic Education, have been dealing with. So we, we stand to be advised by your good selves, honorable chair and uh, honorable uh, members, uh, in terms of uh, this particular issue, because it would not make sense for us uh, to uh, take note of these comments in terms of entertaining them, because in the next 15 days, they won't apply to DSD anyway. They will be applying uh, to DBE. So these, uh, they related to funding of uh, child care facilities, the child care um, facilities such as the ECDs and drop-in centers. So they only, these, these comments only relate to us when it comes to drop-in centers, CYCCs and partial care facilities uh, who apply for funding and all that, but not with regard to ECDs. So we must also take into account that funding uh, gets to uh, be allocated at provincial level and also um, in the national sphere if uh, the organization is represented countrywide. Uh, so what uh, we, we may take into account when it comes to dropping centers and other uh, centers like those, like your CYCCs and all that, the first issue with regard to funding of these is the question of must versus may, because the bill has been saying uh, uh, the HODs or the MECs may, from monies appropriated by the legislature for that purpose, provide funding uh, for ECG uh, or child care centers or dropping centers and all that. And the issue was that, no, we must not say my, may, we must say must. And unfortunately, we don't accept that proposal because it is very disastrous financially. Uh, we don't know how many uh, NGOs are out there, how many uh, applicants are out there, how many other NGOs are still incoming uh, into, as we are registering NPOs on daily basis in the department. If we are to say must provide funding, uh, we may be litigated uh, as a department 
uh, or, or using such a word when our budget does not necessarily speak to that. So as a department, we will reject the use of the word may, uh, sorry, must, uh, in favor of the word may, depending on the circumstances. Again, the issue of municipality bylaws, we did speak about intersectoral issues in the beginning, um, where we, we, we said the challenge that we have with regard to the provision of our services is, is intersectorality, is what we also find in this space with regard to the municipalities, because municipalities have got a role when it comes to implementation of bylaws. If a person wants to register a childcare facility or something like that, a shopping center, a youth care center, it is very difficult uh, to uh, have an application approved because the municipal bylaws that speak to zoning and uh, rezoning make it a little bit problematic uh, for the implementation uh, of uh, such uh, bylaws or what the person wants uh, to to do. So we are saying the issue of streamlined registration must also take into account uh, the existence of the bylaws that we have in the country and all the other uh, uh, corresponding issues that need to be taken uh, into account. So uh, the funding is uh, provided for fully registered and conditionally registered facilities as is the case with regard to uh, the uh, Children's Act. So the ECD sector issues that we raised, it is important to just take note of the issues that we raised, that is the plight of children in, in the child-headed uh, households, uh, the children in uh, uh, household, uh, child-headed households are dealt with in terms of Section 137 of the Act. So this is already provided for. And such households and cases uh, must be referred to the area social worker for assessment, intervention, and formal recognition by the provincial head of social development. So what we are agreeing to in this regard that, in fact, we are acknowledging the existence of the plight of the childhood uh, how the households and also the issue of the existence of the provisions in the Act uh, that already deal with this. So we already have as, as the department many children in the childhood households who are placed in the foster care system to ensure that uh, they are safe and uh, their well-being is taken care of. So this must be understood in that context. And the issues that were also raised around the uh, child uh, uh, household, uh, the uh, Department of Social Development, that is shortage of social workers and issues raised. Okay, the Department of Social Development uh, in partnership and uh, collaboration with other sector departments and some entities has developed a draft sector strategy for employment of social worker uh, professionals, uh, which is inclusive of social work occupational category. The department is currently consulting the draft sector strategy with the critical stakeholders. Uh, it, the department does uh, accept the shortage 
as been indicated by the DG in his opening remarks, uh, we do acknowledge as a department that we've got a challenge out of uh, the social workers that exist uh, in the country, which are about over 30,000 in number, 17,500 belong to the sector. And we must take into account, Honorable Chair and Honorable Members, that when this bill uh, or when the uh, uh, Children's Act uh, was prevented uh, in the um, latter part of uh, the um, beginning of the millennium, well, about 2007 or 8 or so, there was a study that was conducted by Cornerstone, which indicated that in order to implement effectively the Children's Act, the department needs about 7,000 to 70,000 social workers. And we don't have that number in the country altogether. So uh, everything that we need to do, we are trying to do the best out of the little we have. And we still share these social workers uh, with various other programs because it's only uh, 67,000 uh, for the implementation of the Children's Act. And according to the study that was conducted recently by the Department of Labor, we also need about uh, uh, 5,000 plus uh, for the implementation of substance abuse legislation, about close to 2,000 for the implementation of the uh, Older Persons uh, Act, and uh, also a number that is still to be determined for the implementation of the Victim Support Services Bill, which is the Gender-Based Violence Bill, which is still coming before you uh, in the next few uh, months. So we need to take all that into account that some of the gaps that may have been identified or raised during the hearings may also be uh, because of the number of the social workers that we have in the country. I think the DG has said it enough. I don't want to spoil that which he said, but just adding uh, that voice. And uh, the capacity assessment report on availability of posts across sector departments has also been developed, which gives the indication of the field vacancies and uh, uh, the vacant funded posts uh, within the organizations and the structures. Uh, the shortage of social workers, again, the issues that we raised, the employment of social workers in schools, uh, also take into account uh, what we have just presented about the shortage and the Department of Basic Education forms part of the intersectoral forum, which guides and lead the development of the draft uh, sector strategy for employment of social workers. So there is too much competition in the space in terms of every organ of state is looking for social workers. Uh, and uh, we, we, we've got very little that we have uh, as uh, the stock that is available uh, in the Esbel Council's uh, records. Uh, the general issues that were raised, um, the family reunification services is one of those. Uh, as soon as uh, the child is placed in alternative care, the social service professionals should start having sessions with the family to rehabilitate them in preparation for reunification. 
this is very much important uh, because, yes, we do acknowledge, uh, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, the challenge that we are facing around this particular issue, uh, that a child reaches the age of 18 and uh, there is no reunification uh, or reintegration process. Uh, that is in place, and now we've got that gap between uh, finding a proper family and the child leaving uh, the institution, the child in which uh, he or she was placed. So the department then is, uh, 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 I urge to strengthen families uh, to be able to care and protect uh, their family members through the implementation of a reunification care plan and permanency plan. So um, the department is asked to plan, implement, and monitor the unification process to ensure the success of reunified members uh, with their families of origin. Uh, regular contact uh, will be established and maintained. Uh, so these are uh, basically the issues uh, uh, that have been raised and that social workers do not monitor foster care placements regularly. DSD uh, uh, does acknowledge that the shortage of social workers contributes to the poor monitoring of foster care cases. That is acknowledged and the department is working on that, uh, but it does not necessarily uh, relate to the amendment of any provision in the bill. Uh, however, uh, other social service practitioners are also empowered uh, by the Children's Act to monitor uh, placement, uh, placements, which at least uh, creates a, a leeway uh, with uh, regard to such issues uh, that uh, are, are raised. Uh, I, I think uh, in, in this particular case, uh, we, we, we can just uh, uh, ask your uh, indulgence in terms of uh, whether we take questions or we move to the metrics. Uh, thank you for now. No, thanks. Thanks, Rianda. So, Chair, we're in your hands in terms of how you suggest that we should, we should move in this regard. Thank Come you. closer to the mic, uh, we can't hear you. Sorry, Chair, I was saying we're in your hands uh, in terms of how you would suggest we move. Um, uh, we, we could, yeah, we're in your hands, Honorable Chair. Thank you. Thank you much. We never thought that it would be so long, but I hope that the Honorable Members have noted their questions. Uh, yes. Can we then go to questions, Honorable Members? I can see. The hands uh, of Honorable Fandameve, Honorable Masango, followed by Honorable Kizela, and Honorable Alex. The last one, it's Honorable Aris. Thank you very much. Can we follow that sequence? Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson, for the opportunity. Let me firstly say that. We wish the DM well, um, and we wish to align ourselves with the comments that you made um, and the ADG in appreciating the work of our social workers. We also thank the Minister for her opening remarks and this very long and extensive uh, presentation. Um, I've got a couple of questions, and I, it 
was a very long presentation, so I'm not sure whether all of us will get to all of the questions that we've got. But let me start off by firstly asking the department, um, why is it not supporting the proposal for a traditional clause to protect existing orphans on the foster care grant from losing their grant? Um, just clarity in that regard. With regard to the rights of fathers, I don't believe that we've done justice to this issue, Chairperson. And um, I would like to ask the department, how are they planning to address, because it's not in this presentation, the issue that was raised very vociferously by fathers about the issue of parental um, alienation, which in itself is, is, is a form of abuse. So what specific corrective action have they proposed? Because I think the presentation is silent on it. On the issue of 50-50 access to, to children, uh, often we find that, and it was raised, that men and fathers have to prove that they are fit parents, whereas women don't have to go through the same lengths to do that. So um, the off, often the onus is on men to prove that they're fit parents, whereas women don't have to do the same. Again, what corrective measures have they proposed to ensure that the 50-50 um, access uh, in terms of contact and care is entrenched upheld and respected. Then with regards to section 105, 107 and 167 as it pertains to the safe to safe child abandonment. Um, Chair, the, the child protection services currently uh, that are rendered for abandonment are not preventative of the act of abandonment, but it only sets in once a child is found alive after being safely abandoned. So we urgently need to ensure that child protection services prevent the act of safe, unsafe abandonment, and therefore we need to ensure the safety of our children. The minister spoke about all of us needing to put our children first. So um, I would like to ask why is the presentation silent on abandonment and the need to legalize baby savers? It was an issue that was raised. We had presentations on this issue, and I don't think we can continue to criminalize women who or mothers who wanted to safely abandon their babies. Many other countries have decriminalized this. So I think um, I would like to ask, well, also I want to make the point that a baby saver is not alternative care. So a baby saver is not a mechanism used to save the child from unsafe abandonment. Um, and so therefore a baby saver cannot qualify as alternative care in terms of section 167 of the act. So my question then becomes, um, would the department agree that um, we need to still further amend or have additional clauses that would make the safe abandonment of a child uh, to legalize the safe abandonment of children? And if not, why not? And I think maybe if the department doesn't agree that we need further um, amendments in this regard, then maybe we should consult our parliamentary legal advisor to give us uh, guidance in this regard. Now, on the issue of adoption, it's something that I'm very passionate about. Now, in this presentation, we keep on talking about the fact that there's a lack of social workers in the country, and it's something that we as a committee have addressed on numerous occasions. For example, there's a, uh, the, 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 the presenter just said we don't have enough social workers in the country to implement the Children's Act, for example. But now, on the flip side, the department says it wants to manage adoptions in-house in slide 18. But again, we need to address the question about how is the department planning to take over
all adoptions considering that we do not have enough social workers? How will it have the capacity considering that social workers are already overburdened? And remember, we wanted to free up some social workers to attend to the issues of foster care and child protection services in particular. So uh, ADD said that they are actively engaging Treasury for more money to employ social workers. But the current situation is that we don't have enough social workers, so this will actually just worsen the situation um, if we try to take all adoptions in-house. Now, again, I want to speak on the issue of the link between trafficking and adoptions. We have consistently asked the department for proof that there is, in fact, a link that national and international adoption of children is being used for child trafficking. We have also asked that they provide us with um, proof that service providers are charging exorbitant fees when they do adoption. But none of this has been forthcoming. And when I uh, submitted a written question to the department, um, the minister replied by saying that they're not aware of a link between child trafficking and adoption. And the minister replied that there is no record of any trafficking having occurred through adoption. So I hear the arguments that are being put forward in terms of Russian and Chinese examples, the Hague Convention, the John Seabrook and David Smolin work. But the fact of the matter is we do not have proof that in South Africa um, there are any link between trafficking and international adoption. And what is more concerning is I believe that there's only been 250 inter-country adoptions since 2010. So that's a very low number. So my question then is, why does the Department of Social Development think that removing Section 249 and making adoption in-house, um, that it will actually prevent trafficking? Because, like I said, there's currently no link in evidence um, to suggest that that is the case. And remember, our laws and our processes have uh, checks and balances. Um, that is exactly what the international treaty requires. So, so South Africa meet these standards. Our private adoption agencies uh, do do comply with the laws. So, you know, at the end of the day, also what is concerning is I believe at universities, um, social workers are not trained on adoption. They get an introductory uh, information on social work. So they're also not trained in terms of, of doing adoptions. It's, it's basic, basic information on adoption and not specialized training. So really, I think the department must take us into confidence as to what are the real reasons. Why are they trying to, by, by, why are they trying to uh, break something that's not broken? That, that is my question, because at the end of the day, if there's no evidence to suggest that the way we are currently doing adoptions is, is causing mass trafficking or harm of our children, then what can they take us into confidence? Because I think we're really trying to, to break something that is not broken. And um, lastly, Chairperson, I would like to, to, I know we've got many other questions that must still be asked, but um, I would also like to ask, just in terms of section, um, the section of which I think is going to be problematic, the section 249. Um, now, of course, removing that entire section, you know, I maintain that it will have unintended consequences. Because with this proposal, you're effectively opening the door for unscrupulous individuals to profit from adoption. Because currently the Children Act says um, no person may give or receive or agree to give or receive uh, cash or in kind, anything, any consideration in cash or kind for the adoption of a child. So if you remove that entire section, there's no, that, that protection, deleting that clause will actually maybe, possibly, 
um, inadvertently facilitate the, the sale of a child. So why, if the problem is with um, why, if the problem is with the issue of fees, why are we not just deleting the section which, that refers to fees instead of deleting the entire section? Um, and maybe we should we should also, if we can't agree on this, get a legal opinion in, in this regard. And um, yeah, my last question, section 2391D, um, when we say now that we will make sure that um, it says that they, you know, we will in 30 days make sure that letters are issued, um, that we will solve the problem of the delays. But however, there are not, no consequences added if provincial heads fail to comply with this in terms of issuing uh, the, uh, the letters within 30 days. So what consequences can we still build in into this, this amendment bill in this regard? Um, if I can just get some views on that. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much. The, the next one I said is uh, Honorable Masang. Thank you, Chair. Uh, I just also want to um, wish uh, the Deputy Minister a, a speedy recovery and assure the, minister, the Deputy Minister that we, she is in our prayers and also in, in, uh, uh, wish a happy um, uh, worldwide uh, world uh, uh, social workers, uh, social practitioners day to our social workers who are today actually a, a, a huge issue in, in what we are trying to deal with. But I also want to thank the department for this presentation because it it has um, really um, delved into issues, uh, and I, I I didn't hear what the chair said about the the matrix, as it were. But one believes that this presentation has, in in a way, covered. Uh, some of the ground, although one would actually be very uh, happy to hear what, um, you know, what the department had to, to, to have benefit of the, of the matrix as has been done uh, in a way that it has been done, because it, it is really, really helpful. It was helpful to, to even go through uh, the presentation and the matrix. Chairperson, the, the, the questions that um, have been asked by um, Honorable Fandemeve actually cover most of the questions that I would like, uh, I would have liked to ask. So I will be, I will benefit from the responses uh, there too. The the question that I would like to ask is uh, uh, the decline in number of adoptions and 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 the need for adoption uh, for adoptions because the the department has only focused on a decline in intercountry adoption from my from my reading of the presentation uh, which also says to me that um the 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 the, the reasons that have been cited for the decline is is focused on 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 domestic possibilities and family first about children who are abandoned and whose parents cannot be traced 
uh, one would want for us to hear what the response of the department is in cases of children that do not have family, like the children that are being abandoned. Because also one has to take into consideration that the, the amendment bill has to uh, deal and, and and grapple with the issues that are happening in South Africa. And so one, for me, we need to separate between inter-country and national adoptions. And two, we need to take the context within which the South Africa, South Africa is in at the moment, as opposed to um, quoting what is happening in other countries in different contexts and different events that they are dealing with. As, for example, the issue of abandonment is huge when you want to say that we need to consider family first, because an abandoned child, uh, by definition, does not have a family to consider first. And so when we do what we do, one would like to know how has that been filtered into the responses that the department has, has, has put forward. And so also it, it, it is a bit concerning to hear that the department is saying that uh, um, uh, it, it adoption is is, is, is a last resort. Does that, that mean that the institutional care or, or, or care in impermanent foster care with unrelated people are, refer, are preferred to adoption? Are we going to um, try to get impermanent um, placement for children permanent adoption if we are saying that adoption is a last resort. And Chairperson, when I was listening to the presentation also, uh, I, I, the, 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 uh, Mr. Luanda was saying that uh, there is research, and then he quoted the, 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 the writings that he quoted by the two people. But I still would like for us, because it's a huge decision, decision to take, uh, to, to do something like what we are, we are trying to do here without any research, without any um, uh, statistics. I still would like to, to those, those uh, research uh, uh, documents to be shared with us um, as we get into the formal stage of, the, of processing this bill. And um, also, Chairperson, um, the 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 issue of 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 using Russia as um, argument for having changed the law, I believe that we should because this is a for me. Although we we are part, we are signatories of of international treaties and things, but there are issues that are, are uniquely South African. And if we are saying that we are going to also, are we saying that we are also now changing the law uh, based on uh, the fact that Russia said that Russia's children must be raised in Russia? Are we saying South Africa's children must be raised in South Africa uh, regardless of the challenges that we are facing as a country? I just, I just was a bit concerned that we are um, saying that 
other countries change their laws, so we're changing ours because I did not see, I did not hear any argument that is based on our situation uh, in South Africa. And uh, also, I, I think the presentation uh, did touch on the fact that I did not hear or see in any of the presentations by. So I, 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 I sort of I, I appreciated the present the, the Mr. Leander's presentation to mean that that is what it was interpreted as because I didn't hear any of the um, the organisation saying that. And of course, I have talked about the temporary safe care, in excluding abandoned children, which I would like us to bring back into the discussion and, and eventually in, in, into the decision of what stays and not stay in the bill, as it were. And so, Chairperson, those are the questions I have for now. And um, I, I believe that we will need to have more time, especially with the uh, with the with the matrix uh, where one can raise issues as we go along. But thank you so much, Chair. Thank you, Honourable Masango. Honourable Thank you, Chairperson. Good morning, colleagues. I have been covered by the both the previous two speakers. I just have some questions for clarification then, Chairperson. On the issue of the capacity assessment report, um, we all now know that we need 70,000 social workers to implement the Children's Act. We only have 17,500. Last year, we had 9,000 unemployed graduates and DSD only hired 3,465 of those. So you mentioned other social service practitioners. I'd like to know how many other social service practitioners do we have to stem this big shortfall or shortage of social workers in the country? Then also regarding the declining numbers of the adoptions, Honorable Masangu Kual um, already spoke on the national versus the um, international adoptions. I'd like to know, are there maybe a monetary reason for the decline in adoptions? For example, when, when you adopt in South Africa, do you still qualify for grants like in the case of the foster care? I just like to know that. And how many national adoptions did departmental social workers close last year? Then regarding the 50-50 biological parental rights, can the amendments then not say 50-50 unless not find, found fit and proper as and when the courts decide? Because right now the situation in the country is that there's a lot of mothers that are abusing the children's grant and the fathers don't have the 50-50 rights like the mothers automatically do. And my last question with regards to the funding, you said funding for ECDs are allocated at a provincial level. I'd like to know if it's possible. Can we then have a breakdown of the budget cuts provincially, please? Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Kizari, Honorable Alex, followed by Honorable 
Um, thank you, Chairperson, and good morning um, to colleagues and the department and everybody else online. Um, Chairperson, um, I'm echoing um, what um, the previous speakers have said, so would like more detailed um, report back on the issues um, outlined by the previous speakers. But Chairperson, just to add, you know, um, in Parliament, we've recently been debating, you know, um, South Africa's social and economic challenges, inequality, unemployment, poverty, et cetera. And all of these make it a very fertile, you know, breeding ground for child exploitation. And now in this act, you know, it centers around child protection. But what we see time and time again is that what is said in our presentations in committee meetings and that's written in presentations um, and in black and white in the various acts, it does not translate to implementation and impact and improvement um, on the ground. So we can change acts with the best intentions, Chairperson, um, but if we, you know, fail to um, implement, um, you know, we just um, back where we started. And, you know, on the issue of the removal of adoption fees, you know, we just need to be so careful that we aren't sidelining the CSOs that are there to help carry this burden um, on the state. Um, because we see time and time that our courts and the department is struggling with capacity and we get in, we get in nowhere. And, you know, children are just becoming more of a commodity in our country. Um, and we see this with the abuse of the child support grants. So, Chairperson, my, my questions to the department on the issue of the adoption fees, and I hear the presenter saying that nothing's going to change. You know, adoption agencies can still operate. But then does this mean that the department, um, you know, well, can the department adoption agencies, will they have access to children in CYCs um, to assist with adoptions? You know, will DSD still be funding and supporting these agencies um, and and um, um, that was provided. You know, we cannot um, forget that one of the reasons, um, Chair, am I still audible? Okay, yes, I am. Um, you are? Okay, because I just got a message that my internet's unstable. Chair, on the issue of China, we cannot forget that another reason China saw a decline in adoption was that they saw an end of their one-child policy in 2015. And, you know, during that time while they had their one-child policy, they saw an increase in child abandonment because if you gave birth to a disabled child, your first child, or sometimes even a girl child, those children would often be abandoned. And I think there's a massive difference between us and China. And one of those big differences is that China is by the financial means to adequately support their orphaned and abandoned children. And here we can barely fund our CYCCs. So, you know, we just need to, when we are going to put up these stats, that each of these countries have their own other, you know, history to it, um, you know, when looking at this. And, you know, another question to the department is that will the department still be doing the accreditation of adoption agencies? And my colleagues have said before me, you know, we've asked before to please give us a breakdown of these exorbitant um, adoption fees so that we can see for ourselves, you know, what the department's referencing. Because 
Um, you know, if they're NGOs, you know, the department are auditing their books. So clearly the department is seeing something that we aren't seeing. So by giving us some examples, you know, we can see for ourselves, um, you know, what the department is is um, speaking about. And then, you know, Chi, I can't um, um, read this presentation without also keeping the department's previous presentation in mind. And, you know, there's, there was one line in the previous presentation that said the deletion of of Section 249 will work to the advantage of mothers and children. And I still would like the department to explain this to me. How is this working to their advantage? You know, and how how by removing the fees, you know, we're going to just suddenly stop the illegal um, sale and trafficking of children. Because I'm of the opinion that if somebody wants to sell their child, they're going to sell their child, whether they do it underground or on the black market, you know, we need to separate the criminality um, of this um, 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 child trafficking from the people who are actually trying to, to assist the state um, with this. And then, you know, Che, on the issue of child trafficking, you know, what is DSD doing about street children? You know, they can be easily picked up off the street and exploited. And what is DSD doing about this high number of children without birth certificates? These are all vulnerable children. But we're just focusing on this one aspect of, of child um, trafficking. Um, then, Chairperson, I'm just um, going through my um, notes here. Again, we've asked the department for more evidence-based um, references and I see that they have cited the two references. I've done a quick search and I can only see um, Seabrook's um, references from 2010. So I would like the department to please provide us with those references so we can also do our own um, um, research. And then on the, the issue of institutionalization of, of children, chairperson, um, I would like to know if the department, you know, if they've done an audit on our CYCCs, on our bed spacing, on the funding um, to these CYCCs, um, because, you know, the provinces are doing their budget votes and all of the provinces, you know, have taken massive um, financial cuts. And I'm of the opinion we're only going to see these um, cuts through our social welfare budgets year and year and year on. So if we are going to say we're keeping the children institutionalized, do we really have funding and capacity um, to be doing this? Um, then, Chairperson, um, I've got lots of other questions, um, Chairperson, and, you know, we always say we're going to um, submit our questions in writing, but the department very seldomly gets back to those questions, Chairperson, even though um, you have okayed it. And, you know, one of the things I'm still waiting for is a status update on the foster care backlogs. Our committee hasn't seen, you know, the recent um, figures on where we are sitting with the foster care backlogs. And I just would really like to um, ask the department for those, for that um, um, status report um, again, Chairperson. And then just lastly, I know it's not, um, you know, in this, this act, but during the public hearings, the abuse of the child support grant came up quite often. And, you know, I'm of the opinion that this equates to child abuse, you know, using the grant for um, substance, substances and, you know, all other things. And I just would like to know, 
you know, or rather plead with the department, you know, to please drive a more visible and aggressive um, campaign on how to report the abuse of the of a child support grant. And then lastly, Chairperson, if the speaker can maybe just give us in writing the breakdown of the shortage of social workers per program, um, which he mentioned verbally. Um, thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Alex. Uh, followed by Honorable Aris and by Jay. Honorable Mangani. Thank you. Jay, is it my turn? Yes, you are in. Oh, okay. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Chair, I just want to check. I'm grateful because I'm covered with most of the things, uh, you know, that the previous speakers were saying. But my thing is, I just want to check. Recently, uh, there was a high court judgment in terms of parental rights of, of um, you know, same-sex um, parents, um, which was saying that, um, you know, when, when um, artificial insemination was used that that parents have also equal rights in terms of that. Because now you will have three uh, 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 parents. And I want to know how we will deal with that because you will have the, the parents of, of, you will have the parents of, um, you know, the, the, the artificial insemination was, and you will also have, because the act is just speaking about biological parents. So I want to know what will the rights be because there will be three people involved in that parental ship. Then also the issue of social fathers, and I was, I'm still on that one um, because the act is quiet on that one. What is the rights of social fathers? Thank you. Honorable Jane, thank you, Honorable Aris. Thank you, Honorable uh, Chairperson, and uh, greetings to all members. And I also echo what my colleague have said to wish uh, DMSPD recovery. And then I must also thank the presenter because some of the, the, the question that we didn't understand more when we were doing um, public hearing uh, in his presentation uh, is clearer. So my issue, uh, other members have covered me, but not on the one that I wanted to, to say, because uh, uh, I believe each and every country need to be proud by its own people. And then make sure that if uh, there's a struggling of people, that's why the, the grants are in. Even although sometimes uh, we feel as if there's nothing. I wanted to comment on the issue of um, adoption. Uh, as government wanted to do the adoption, not alienating other agency. I feel very much strongly that 
Uh, I support one section of this uh, adoption that says we must look around families and around the country first. Why I'm saying this? When uh, uh, even if I uh, compare what used to happen in uh, when I was young. Uh, we were adopting people from our country whom we don't know. Today, they are our sister, uh, brothers, and then they take care of us sometimes when they, uh, we, we, we have challenges. I feel strongly that maybe we are hitting ourselves hard. We must leave this, uh, we must make sure that uh, this uh, uh, adoption should remain, uh, should be uh, done by our own social work. I have heard when we were doing a public hearing, uh, there were more, more, more voices was from uh, the agency. And then the social worker were very silenced there and there. But Mina, I feel very much strongly that I think uh, I, I, I align myself with the presenter. And then on this one of father, uh, uh, I think uh, we have to rethink because uh, a, a father can't take responsibility only when the mother has passed on. We must, we must come up with something because fathers really, maybe it's because some of us, we stay around the rural where we can see if a father is denied the right. Can you mute yourself, please? Okay, excuse me. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Lindy, uh, uh, I, I think uh, if we can check, it can't be a, a father is a father when the mother has passed on. Uh, um, uh, we, we, we are having also challenges on the side of women as much as we are having challenges on the side of men. But we, we have to we have to make sure that even those who are not married, they can also have the right to their own child. For now, as we are we are doing this bill or amending, we've been having this challenge of saying people can take ID because they their mothers don't have ID. ID they don't belong in this country. It's only the father is from the the or this country is South Africa, but they are unable to take to assist their own child, and then a child grow with that anger that says, uh, "My father was not there for me." Let's not aggravate this issue of fathers. Uh, we must make we must come up with something. I agree. 
somewhere, somehow, that you can't make them 50-50. Why, why uh, 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 we don't do something that the, the country must see that we are one step ahead. We are, we, we are not stuck on the very same issue that fathers always cry, father always cry. When we hear, we, 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 we take them to court to go and pay maintenance every month. Why they don't see their child? They see their child son. We've lost two meetings. Honorable Mangani. Honorable members, seemingly uh, Honorable Mangani has got a, a yeah, challenge. Yeah, I've got a ch problem, challenge of network. Okay, finish up so that uh, Honorable Stock can follow. Yes, I've got a difficult challenge with network. Yes, uh, I, I, I was just concluding chat. Say others, I I, I I I agree with what my colleague has said, but on this one, okay. Seemingly, Honorable Mangani is struggling with the network. We will allow her to finish up. Can we allow Honorable Stock to continue? Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chaperson. Uh, uh, let me also join my colleagues in appreciating the presentation done to us today by the department. I think it's quite detailed. And then it also clarifies to a large extent the issues that uh, we actually interacted with when we were doing the public hearings uh, throughout the country in the different provinces. So I'm very grateful for <clears throat> the information that comes back in terms of the responses, the issues that were raised as well by uh, uh, different stakeholders throughout the sector. I just want to uh, get clarity from my side. I want to get clarity on the issue of the uh, China and all of that with, uh, with regard to uh, adoption, the clause on adoption and all of that, if the department can give us more detail uh, in terms of whether there's a case study or in different countries how this issue has been handled and uh, what is the approach. Is it normally being relegated to the private sector or to the, to the CSOs or is government that plays a, an active role in that regard? And then also in terms of adoption, which was also when I looked at the presentation, was an issue which was bothering me. But when I listened, uh, some of my colleagues actually covered me to a particular extent. But you know, what I want to uh, uh, I mean, indicate now to the meeting is that uh, I'm persuaded by what the department was saying in terms of the adoption that, uh, because I think the person was presenting says to us, uh, we are not looking at uh, removing the whole clause on adoption, but maybe we need to look at the issue of the uh, the clause that deals maybe the fee and the fees and all of that. Maybe it's something that we need to look at. And I think it's also an issue which was uh, uh, properly canvassed by Honorable uh, Lisa. 
So I think I just needed to indicate that I also support that proposal. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Thanks. Thank you, Honorable Stock. Uh, are you back, Honorable Mangani? Not yet. Oh, she's back. I'm Can back, you Chair. finish up? Can you finish up? Yes, Chair. I was just finishing, just saying the issue of fathers. Uh, uh, I think uh, we didn't do justice. Uh, we need to reconsider or we need to have time to talk about it. Because uh, sometimes the, the cost route that we are having, challenges that we are having in, in the country pertaining children, uh, women, and uh, also fathers, we must uh, do away with the root cause. Unlike uh, taking the shortcut uh, of saying, uh, because the court is saying this, this, but we need to say something as this uh, uh, committee and then convince each other. Because for now, uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm not yet convinced about the issue of fathers. Thank you, Chair. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable members. You have also covered me in most of other things, especially in this one of saying, what is exactly the function and the role of the committee if we cannot also add on the amendments that have been put forward? Most of the honorable members have made mention of that. In my knowledge and thinking, we are supposed to be the one who are also adding in these, in these amendments that have been put forward. Because really, I see that um, if the department is saying to us, nothing they can do about the adoption, what does it mean? Whilst the bus stops at us as social development, and they put and claim that the court or the justice department is this and that, and that a particular department is saying this and that, as social development, what is it exactly that we're supposed to do? Can't we say this must happen like this way? So as to carry on this amendment forward, rather than to come today by saying, most of the challenges that we have and questions that we couldn't answer, we are still unable to answer them because as social development, there's nothing that we can do. That's my thinking. Maybe when we go clause by clause, even if it's not now next week, members are able to go back and tease up clauses that they think it needs to also get flesh on it, I think we are free to do that. Otherwise, it was really, a, 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 I will say, a brief and, 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 and clear presentation from uh, Luyanda. 
which I never expected it, it will be so long and so brief and, and, and also clear as it was put in, in, in public hearing. You know, I'm also thinking about the department when they are saying they, they, they don't know the, the NGOs. It means to me, there is no database. There is no database at all. They don't have it. And what needs to happen? Who is supposed to have the database for the NGOs in the country? Because it is so simple and straightforward that if they can phone the provinces and get that database from the provinces, ultimately at the end as national, they will have it. I'm also not happy about this 50-50. I think much as it is saying that uh, the parental responsibilities have been also uh, given to fathers. You know, most of the fathers that were in those public hearings were crying tears. As Medjane is putting it forward that we will only, as women, need fathers when we want them to go and pay the support or the maintenance in court, which is not fair. Much as at the same time, even the mothers are also crying tears because of the court judgment that are taking too long, that are also favoring fathers more than the mothers. I go in line with the one of saying 50-50, but this 50-50 needs also to be scrutinized and be teased off on how does it mean or what is it meant when they say 50-50. Those are the things that we have as the committee. It's our responsibility to look at them. And, and and come up with something that we want it to appear. There is also this one of the age. You know, this one of the age, I still remember vividly the presentation from the professor, the one that we, we had in our previous meetings. And seemingly, we still doesn't come up with something that is saying, how about as departments align this thing of the age in terms of the adolescent? How do we categorize a person who is an adult? That thing of 16 years, 14 years, 18 years is still there. And as the department, we never came up with something that we will say, how are we going to approach it to other departments? Because these are sister departments. We cannot move uh, into our corners and, 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 and cocoons. We have to work together. Those, are, I think, are the, 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 the comments, man rather than the questions. Because even this one of saying, oh, oh, Ruyanda was saying, I will hear from you, honorable member, members about the ECDs, the questions won't be our questions for now. After the first, it will be 
effective. We have to know what is it that is supposed. That is exactly why we had a joint meeting with DBE. So as to be able to have this integration, we are able also in social development to answer the questions that are being asked in the, from the communities. Now, let me stop there. Otherwise, most of the questions has been asked by members. It's just a comment. And if uh, DG and the team is able to, to, to say something on this, I would appreciate that. But I think even in the next meeting, we have to go clause by clause and put what we think as honorable members who would like it to appear in this bill. Can I stop there? Thank you very much, uh, Honourable Chair and Honourable Members for uh, the input. Indeed, this was a lengthy presentation. I must just indicate, Chair, that um, um, perhaps to Honourable Van Merva and Honourable Masango on some of the issues that may seem silent in the presentation, I can assure you that uh, these are covered adequately in the, in the matrix. Uh, and um, hence, uh, we, we had sort of guidance to determine whether we should go into that detail or not. Uh, but I can assure you that these matters are indeed covered uh, in the matrix. Um, and then I wanted to indicate, Honorable Chair, um, I, I suppose when Leander was speaking about the NGOs, uh, he was not knowing the NGOs, he was talking more about the fact that NGOs are emerging on a daily basis um, and that, um, you, you know, we do, as a matter of principle, have a database of NGOs. Uh, but sometimes when it comes to the funding aspect, we may not know which one needs support and so on, unless they come up and say that they need the support uh, from us. But indeed, I can confirm that we have the list of NGOs. Uh, we are the custodian of NGOs as the Department of Social Development. We register them and therefore we keep record accordingly in that regard. And then just on the ECD question, uh, Chair, uh, indeed, I think can, that... Um, can, excuse me, excuse me, uh, TG. I can see that... Um, Honorable Stock's hand is up. Maybe he's going to come up on how do we go forward with this. Can we give him a chance before you just summarize everything? I can hear that you are just summarizing all the questions that we asked. Over to you, Honorable Stock. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. And, uh, and I'm so sorry to do this because, I mean, it's like I'm coming in the tail end uh, the department was supposed to respond, and then it looks like it's an afterthought. It's just something that slipped my mind. I noted it down, and I was supposed to raise it as part of my submission. So I need to profusely apologize for the approach that I'm taking. Uh, I just want you are to welcome. But okay, okay, Salo. Okay, I just wanted to propose uh, to the meeting that uh, in terms of the matrix, uh, the matrix is quite detailed. I think it's about 88 page or so. So I was going to propose that uh, because we are not yet at the stages of the clause by clause, uh, then maybe we must agree in the meeting as a portfolio committee that the department must come back when they come back next week. Then we deal with the issue of clause by clause and then the details of the metrics. And then it will also give us an opportunity as honorable members uh, to also acclimatize, acclimatize ourselves for the details of the metrics. That's what I wanted to propose, honorable chairperson. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Stock. I knew that you are going to come up with on how to go forward. 
rather than a acting teacher to just summarize and you know all what we were asking and concern but preferable dg without even answering most of this i thought you will just have a a comment on what we are suggesting that how about dealing with close by close in the next meeting and um, the metrics as the honorable stock has said for next meeting can you just go to that uh, sorry to for interjection chair uh, members fundamentals hand is up i don't know whether she wants to comment before the dg dg over to you honorable lisa Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Um, I just wanted to make an appeal because it was quite a lengthy presentation and some of us forgot some of the questions that we wanted to ask. Um, and, and taking from what you have just suggested that when we get to the clause by clause process that you would want us to make our input as a committee in terms of what we want to see from the amendment, would you allow us to submit some written questions, Chairperson, that we forgot to ask? and maybe then ask the department to, to get those back to us before we do the clause by clause and the matrix. That is my appeal, so that we don't delay the meeting. Okay, is always the Honourable uh, uh, Lizelle accepted for members to write uh, questions to the department via the secretary? So no one will be stopped by asking questions. I understand, as I have said before, that this presentation was too long. I never even expected it. It will be so long. But nevertheless, it's not closed. Doors are always open for the department, from the department and from our side to communicate with them. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Can 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 LinkedIn DJ respond on or comment, not respond as such, but comment on this yeah. one that we are suggesting on the yeah. process on how to go about? No, thank you very much, uh, honorable chair and honorable members. I uh, yeah, okay. So so the two approaches we could take chairperson and I'm in your hands in terms of how you suggest you move the one uh, is to take the uh, well firstly if we are to respond to the questions raised uh, in the meeting today uh, we estimate that we can take about 30 minutes just at a high level responding to all of the specific questions asked today we could do that um, but i agree that uh, in line with uh, honorable stocks uh, uh, proposal that maybe uh, we could set another day where we go through um, all the clause by clause, we'd be happy to do that. We would, however, suggest that that should take a, an entire day of the committee uh, because it's quite lengthy, uh, as the uh, chair would have seen. Uh, but uh, we're happy to do that. Um, but um, I think that in terms of the questions, we would certainly be able to respond to those raised today in the next 30 minutes or so. We would be happy to take that, uh, Chairperson, um, and then come back at the time that the committee would advise. Uh, to go close by close. We, 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 we're prepared for that, uh, uh, even today. Uh, so if the committee has to say, let's, let's go, uh, now we'd be able to go 
um, uh, you know, close by close uh, because we had prepared adequately for that. But we're happy to take uh, another session. Uh, we would go close by close as suggested by Honorable Stock. Um, but we would then recommend uh, to the committee that perhaps it be a full day um, uh, in that regard. But uh, yeah, thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Uh, if the Chair wishes that we respond to the questions raised today, uh, I can guarantee you it won't take us longer than 30 minutes in time to get to do some of those. Thank you very much, Chair. Okay, thank you very much, DJ. But I don't think it's going to assist for you to answer the questions rather than to go to this exercise that we're talking about. In my thinking, I don't think it will be all the clause, but there are critical clauses which we think we have to have a bite and say something on them. But if it goes to that push, we need a day then we can look for a day and set aside for that day to look at that. Otherwise, the bill is not a once-off thing. It's really something that we have to build on and make up our minds and be collected because it's going to be life for, for the entire uh, uh, communities and for the rest of our lives until it is amended again. So in this, this term, in this term, we have to say there is a legacy that we have left. At least we have tried our level best to amend it as such. I don't think it's a, it's a train smash of not saying that how about looking for that particular day. If we haven't finished on that, a day which is we can even extend the time for our start so that we can be able to cover up a, a lot of ground on that day. We'll definitely look at the dates and, and Lindy is going to communicate with you and tell you on which day are we do we think. The ones that are supposed to submit the questions, the, the return questions, it will also assist us even yourselves as the department, to prepare those clauses that we think. Those honorable members that think they need um, an amendment, Oganya edition on the amendment bill, they can also send through Lindy so that by the time you come to deal with the clauses, at least we are aware of which clauses can we stick on rather than to just till even with all the amendment bill. Am I quite correct? Am I summarizing it the way that honorable members think that we have to summarize it? I think that's helpful, honorable chair from our I think that's helpful, chair from our side. Uh, we, we will be happy with that. Thank you. For instance, uh, DG, you are clear about this one of the responsibility, parental responsibility that we more, most of us have got a, a, a question mark on it in terms of the way the 50-50 is. Two, there's also this one of um, the adoption. The one of adoption doesn't uh, need anything. We are also interested, though it has been answered on why there is a decline in adoption. Maybe Honorable 
Kizela has just missed it. I listened it carefully on why there's a decline because all of us were asking why the decline in adoption in South Africa in particular. Okay, honorable members, is there any other hand? Uh, uh, Bridget and Lizelle, or Lizelle, is it the old hand? No, it's a new hand, but I'll, I'll follow after Honorable Masango Chetison. Okay. Who's this portfolio committee host? Chetison, my, 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 it's Lindy, where my hand is also up. Uh, can I just want to provide uh, a procedural um, assistance? in terms of way forward. Let's you first. Uh, thank you very much, Chair. Um, I just want to explain the process. Uh, currently, we are in a consultative process whereby we provide the department uh, responses on issues raised by all submissions of stakeholders. So um, that is important, the, the, the suggestion by Mr. Stock that Stock that next week, let's give the department an opportunity to take the committee through the matrix. A matrix responds to the clauses as, um, uh, as suggested by the department when they table the bill to parliament. It will provide what certain stakeholders said about that particular clauses, what is the department's comments on that particular clauses, which will make the, the committee be able to take a decision when they are at the formal stage, which is clause by clause. Now the process is also to capacitate members, to formalize members on issues and what is the department's stance on a particular uh, 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 process. And that does not mean if the committee strongly feels that the position of the department is what they want to see, because the committee, in terms of the constitution, have powers to amend the bill, to reject the bill, and also to appeal the bill. The bus stops with the committee if they want to see some changes in a bill. So now, a next week meeting where the department explains the cause by cause of the, uh, of the matrix, it will also capacitate or prepare the committee when they deliberate. The next process, after the consultation process, listen to what the matrix says, and then maybe need follow up uh, more information on particular area or clause so that the committee can take informed decision. There will be a process after all, whereby the committee will go clause by clause. The legal advisor will take through and then the chairperson will put that particular clause to the committee to discuss it uh, in depth and agree on that particular clause. If they feel that they need more information or they need guidance, they can even uh, request the legal advisor of parliament to go back and, 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 and more, make more research and advise and provide guidance to the committee on a particular uh, process, whether it is in line with the constitution 
uh, the department will be able to implement what will be the consequences if the parliament you know uh, uh, propose or uh, uh, agree on this particular clauses so uh, the, 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 the the ball is on us as the committee which is the legislature who have powers amend, reject, and appeal the bill. So now the process is not for discussion, it's for clarity-seeking question. There will be an opportunity which is clause by clause for the committee to discuss and agree on certain clauses. I just wanted to highlight that. Thank you very much. It means we are on track. Uh, as the portfolio committee. Can I also give to Honorable Masango after Lindy Way has just uh, explained what is going to happen? Thank you, Chair, and uh, I really appreciate that. And, and it's, it's, it's good that it came before I, I just raised uh, my, my comment. My comment being that, Chair, um, taking in con into consideration everything that has been said by co colleagues about the way forward, and obviously uh, tied uh, like tied down by by the secretary, I just believe that we do need to have the answers or the responses to the questions we have raised. Partly because, from my understanding, says that this is the last um, part of where the the um, organizations that ask questions have a, a, a platform to hear the responses to what they, they had raised with, with the department before we get into a formal stage where we then kick in what Lindy has outlined and, and previously uh, honorable stock. So my request chair is that we answer the questions. We, well, the department, for that matter, answers the questions. Thanks. Thank you very much, Chairperson, for the opportunity. Um, yes, thank you very much for that uh, guidance from our, uh, from Lindiwe, and also um, the input from Honorable Masango. I would also um, like to appeal, Chairperson, that um, we do get, uh, we ask a lot of questions. So I, I think it will be, uh, we will not be doing justice to the process if we don't get answers to the questions we've asked today. Unless we are suggesting that next week we go through the matrix and get the answers that we asked today and we do that in one session, where after we as a committee then maybe resolve for example, to look into, as Lindy had, had indicated, that we could ask for legal opinion on some sections. For example, as I've indicated, a legal opinion might be necessary on section the deletion of section 249 as proposed by the department, as well as the issue of baby savers. Um, so, um, but I do I do want to echo what Honorable Masango said. We do need to get answers to the questions we asked today because it will be important for us um, to be guided uh, whether it's with the matrix and answers in the next session, but that, that that takes place, the answers and the matrix, before we go into the formal clause-by-clause clause, uh, deliberations, because I don't think those two can really happen on the same day. Thank you, Chair. That's exactly what Lindy was saying. She was saying, if I hear her clearly, next week can be the one of getting
the metrics and the answers exactly as Lizelle is saying. Then that other time next, after that one, we will also get to close by close. Lindy, can you repeat yourself? Um, afternoon, Chairperson. Um, as suggested, my members talk that uh, it is important for the committee to, to look at the matrix uh, where it also outlined it causes uh, that we propose in the in the bill. So um, I don't know whether we can take the opportunity for the department to respond to the issue in that particular meeting, but it will be a session of this nature. And I think the same question will, will transpire from, 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 from the matrix because it speaks to all the clauses that were presented, but it goes deeper. So that's, that, that was my, 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 my um, guidance as to next week, let's have a session similar to this nature, but the department take the committee through uh, clause by clause, which is the matrix that respond to clauses. So I think um, there might be some uh, responses on the question or a similar question may, uh, may, may come from that particular session. So we uh, the guidance is on you, Chair, whether you want them to respond now or we continue next week, or they prepare responses for next week, first thing in there before they present a matrix to respond to the questions that, um, that, that came from this meeting. Okay. Elizabeth, is it the old hand? Yes, it was the old hand, apologies. Okay. okay. Can, can I... The department was saying they are ready to respond to it, but I could hear that it's not fair the way they were answering because, you know, I don't know. But uh, if the meetings, the meeting feels we have to get the answers right now, as Lindy has just cleared it to us that we can get the answers next week. And a similar session like this one will take place in terms of also the metrics. Uh, Honorable Masango, are you still saying let's do it now so that we don't waste time because we don't have time? Yes, yes. please, Chair. I just think we, we can answer the questions today, do the metrics next week, and go okay. on as, we, as colleagues have said. Okay, fine. I'm not uh, rigid. I'm flexible enough. Let's try and see how far we're going to go. Thank you, Chair. DJ. No, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Honorable. I was uh, just raising my hand to indicate that uh, uh, we were ready to respond to the questions. When I started, I was providing an overview particularly in response to the issues raised by uh, one or two of the members. So um, we, we're, we're happy, and I, it indicated that we can take about 30 minutes, maybe even less, to respond to the questions. Chair, just on the ECD clauses that you that you raised, the concerns, I want to just indicate that um, uh, uh, Leander may have put it in the way in which you, know, you put it, but indeed, we are able to respond to every issue relating to ECD. Uh, we're just saying that because it will be dealt with in the second amendment, uh, we, we, would, we would deal with it there. But if there are specific questions, indeed, we're happy to take those, Chair. Let me then advise how we will respond, uh, Chairperson. I would like for uh, Nelly Swift to go first on the questions around child protection and the CYCCs. 
Immediately after that issue, I'd like Kumbula to go on the issue of social workers, as raised by Honorable Operman. I think it was Honorable Operman, yes. Uh, and then the issue of um, of fathers, as raised by Honorable, uh, uh, um, I think it was, um, uh, okay, I can't remember the, the Honorable members, but uh, on the issue of fathers, I would like to Percy to respond to those issues. Uh, Dr. Mabe on the issues around adoption. Uh, and um, where am I leaving out? Um, and then, then Leander and I will come back at the end. If there are any additions, uh, Isabella will make any additions. So in that order, please, colleagues. Nelly Shaw first, followed by uh, Percy, then uh, Dr. Mabe. Please go, Nelly Shaw. She is virtual. Um, good afternoon, Honorable Chairperson Mamuvana, Honorable Members, uh, DG. And, and colleagues, and our Honourable Minister, good afternoon. I will be responding to the aspect on issues of abandonment, especially in relation to Section 150, which deals with issues of, you know, often children in the care of family members. We have supported that part as the department because our Section 150, it, it has really considered that and also made provisions to ensure that there are other control measures in place to ensure that we don't lose our children within the child protection system. Therefore, they should be receiving the basket of services, such as our community-based prevention and early intervention programs, which is the RECIHA, as well as the implementation of the extended child support grant. The part that we indicated that we are not supporting, it is the section 159, and um, which brings the part of the transitional mechanisms, because we are saying that it's already catered for in terms of the section 48, because the judiciary do have such powers of you know, making those extensions based on the assessment of children that are still in alternative care. But um, these two aspects, they have also been covered in the metrics that we have provided. And um, the issues of um, safe uh, abandonment um, in a form of uh, approving um, safe, I'm not sure whether it's safe boxes. Um, we are saying that we do have... Safe havens. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that, honourable member. Um, in terms of the, the, the issues of safe havens, the Children's Act makes provision for temporarily safe care, which we're saying that it should not be more than six months because we must ensure that if a child is, you know, um, reunifiable with families or is eligible for adoption or going to foster care or in the children's home as part of alternative care. Such children should not then stay longer in temporarily safe care. Hence, we say six months in temporarily safe care. There was a question raised around, you know, the implementation um, that the act, as much as it is in place, it is not transferable to implementation. That is why we also have provisions of national strategies as well as provisional strategies in certain sections of the act, which we know that such sections requires that we must have the resources, mechanisms, and systems in place to ensure that the act is implemented. 
documented in, in totality. And that section does yield the, the, the required, you know, and making impact in people's lives. If we've got strategies in place, which of course needs that closer monitoring. There was a question as well on the audit or studies that have been conducted in child and youth care centers. We did have a study in 2010 and again in 2012, which was basically looking at the issues of registered facilities. I can safely say that as in September 2021, our audit indicated as well, because we also conduct um, a quarterly assessments and monitoring of our child and youth care centers. Nationally, we've got 449 with this distribution. In Eastern Cape, 24 facilities. Uh, Free State, 59. Gauteng, 165. KZN, 78. Lipopo, 21. Mpumalanga, 22. Northern Cape, 11. Northwest, 7. Western Cape, 62. As I'm speaking about these registered facilities, I need to contextualize that it is within the context of the three different programs that are offered. That is temporarily safe care, second uh, a program reception care, development not in the family environment, and the last program is secure care of children with emotional, behavioral, and psychological difficulties. And I must indicate, Honorable Chair, that this is not about uh, children in conflict with the law when I speak about these secure care facilities. And the distribution in terms of those temporary safe care uh, with the bed capacity that was also asked by the honorable member. The bed capacity, I must also indicate that doesn't mean that that, that is the actual number of children that are in temporary safe care, but I'll also give the latest statistics of the actual numbers of children in the temporary safe care as based on our uh, monitoring in 2021 September. The, the bed capacity, for temporary safe care, it's 3,337. And um, that also fluctuates because it's dependent on the movement of children because it is temporary safe care. As we say, that children should not be in temporary safe care more than uh, six months. However, it's also dependent on the court um, that has to finalize the placements of children. And then um, the other program, which I'm going to use the old name, and I know my colleagues in child and youth care centers won't be happy with me because we are actually saying that it's child and youth care centers, all of them, but uh, the old children's home, the number that we have in terms of the bed capacity, it's 15,552. And then for the secure care for those children with behavioral, psychological, and emotional difficulties, it's 912. Therefore, the total bed capacity that we have as the country in our CYCs is 19,801. But the actual that we have as in September, because as I indicated that it fluctuates because children move in these places. So temporarily safe care, it was in September 2,522. That is the actual now against the bed capacity. For children's home, uh, 13,240. And Honorable J, for the secure care for children with emotional and behavioral, it's 551. So against the bed capacity of 19,801, the actual that we have in our CYCs 
in terms of these three programs I've mentioned is 16,313. And I must mention, um, honorable member um, and chairperson, that um, it's important that we understand that the, the establishment of facilities in different provinces is based on the assessment and needs that um, the province you know, identify. And, but based on what we have seen, that the bed capacity is 19,801, but the actuals that we have, it's, it's 16,313, meaning that we do have, you know, some spaces in our facilities to accommodate our children. However, the courts also determine if the facility has got a suitable program for that child to be placed in that particular facility. I think I will hold you there, uh, handing over back to DG and um, the lineup that he has outlined Honorable Mamun Vana, thank you. No, thank, thank, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay, I'm going to ask Percy to go now. Percy is responding on the issues with regards to fathers. Thank you, thank you, and good afternoon, Honorable Chair and uh, Honorable Members
the father was not there when the child was born or where the child has not satisfied some of the requirements in section 21. And I think we've also indicated the fact that we have amended section 21 by removing and and replacing it with all. Because we say if the father satisfies either of the four uh, requirements, therefore the father has the right to have you know access and, 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 and uh, to, to the child. So on the issue of uh, social fathers, um, I suppose uh, the honourable member was talking about uh, the instance where children do not have fathers, maybe due to death or any other reasons. We do have uh, in practice uh, where you have children being raised by either relatives, uh, teachers, or community leaders. However, the only thing I think that is missing is whether they do have any rights and responsibility you know, over those children. I think this is one area that maybe we need to consider moving forward. And the other issue that was raised also by the Honorable Member of the Committee was the fact that uh, how come fathers or some of the fathers only take responsibility when mothers have passed on? Uh, I want colleagues to, 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 to or maybe uh, inform colleagues, uh, you know, about uh, what we call maternal gatekeeping. This is a situation where mothers deny fathers access to the children for me for various reasons. And I think I would like to propose that colleagues uh, read a, a, a research document that was commissioned by uh, the Commission of Gender Equality. And the title of the document uh, is When Relations Disentangles, so that we can have an understanding as to why fathers or why most fathers do not really take part in our And also, I think now I'm overstepping my role as uh, requested to talk on issues of fathers. I think honorable. And Masango also indicated, and especially she was talking on the issue of adoption um, uh, with regards to abandoned child or children. And she said that uh, these children normally do not have families. I stand to differ with that because when the child is abandoned, it's that the child. What it means that the child doesn't have a parent or mother or a father, but child does have a family and that can be considered for adoption. Percy, just talk into your mic a little bit more, please. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, where do I start? No, no, no. Pro proceed, Baba. Proceed. Proceed towards the end. Oh, yeah. I was, I was almost done, but uh, I think what I want to assure. The, 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 the honorable members of the committee is that uh, we, we are hard at work in ensuring that we address some of those, some of the issues. Maybe some of them may not really fall within the scope of the act, or maybe some of these issues have got uh, to do with the implementation, but the act does make provision you know, for fathers to also have uh, access. What we need to do is to upscale you know, our awareness. You know, in terms of ensuring that uh, unmarried fathers 
do know their rights and they do know that there are various remedies or legal recourses that they can follow to have access to their children. Thank you. Yeah. So thank you very much. Percy, I suppose Percy uh, was not directing members of the committee to the publication that he made mention of, but he was simply suggesting that it would be a good read where possible. And I think if you have a copy of it, can be shared with the committee, because I think it will be useful. So I just want to indicate, Jay, he was not directing members of the committee, uh, but he was simply making a suggestion, uh, unless it is read, uh, in, the, in the event it is read otherwise. I will now ask Joyce to respond to the issue of uh, three children, and let's try and be as swift as possible as uh, stress. Honorable Chairperson of the Portfolio Committee, Honorable Members, the Acting DG and colleagues, thank you for this opportunity. The question around three children was uh, basically about how they are removed from the streets. Let me begin by uh, referring to the definition of a street child, because then it's this definition is going to support how we, we remove them from the streets. Section 150, uh, subsection 1, letters A to I, gives a de definition of a child in need of care and protection. So that list from A to I, it's, it's, it's identifying children and defining them, those that are found to be in need of care and protection. And specifically, a strict child is defined on letter C, which says a, a child in need of care and protection is a child who lives or works on the streets or begs for a living. So a street child is also listed with other categories of children who are defined to be in need of care and protection, meaning they abandoned, they abused, they neglected. Then we now come to how they are removed. I must say the process that is followed when removing the children from the streets is basically the same as those of the other categories of children that are defined in a subsection one of section 50. Uh, section 151 speaks about removing children with a court order. And that basically happens to children from the streets. And section 152 details how we remove children from the streets without a court order. And in that instance, a the, the, the situation should rather be very threatening to the child. So they are treated, you know, as other categories of children who are found to be in need of care and protection. So I want to refer the honorable members to sections 150, 151, and 152 of the Children's Act. That will give the people the idea or the knowledge of how children are removed from the streets. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson, and thank you, Edwin Thank you. Thank you, Sister Joyce. I'm going to ask Kumbula to go next uh, on the question of the social workers. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, uh, uh, Chairperson. 
uh, we, we, we have got uh, plus minus 78,000 uh, social service professionals registered with the council. Of these, uh, 35,000 are social workers in the NPOs, CSOs, as well as the private sector. Uh, in terms of our sector, which is this department and the provinces, we've got 17,508 social workers. Between uh, October and uh, the end of this financial, financial year, we recruited uh, on contract basis 2,473 uh, social workers. And the bulkest uh, number of these uh, are in Gauteng uh, as well as KwaZulu Natal, Gauteng having 1,026 and KwaZulu Natal employing 967. Uh, I will come back uh, to the committee on the statistics for auxiliary social workers and CYC, because I still need to confirm these figures, but it ranges between, it, it ranges around 25,492. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you, Kumbula. And those are the ones that are actively operating at the moment, or working at the moment, that we will respond to. Thank you very much. Uh, Chair, just two more responses quickly. Dr. Mabe? Thank you, um, um, in terms of um, questions relating to adoptions, I will start with the one that relates to the monetary you know, assistance. Whether is there a monetary assistance when one has adopted a child? Um, vis-a-vis you know, the foster care grant. Um, we don't have monetary assistance, but um, we encourage you know, that if your parents you know, are um or do want you know assistance they are eligible you know to can apply for what we call you know child child support grant you know in that regard they are also you know eligible you know to get you know such assistance from government that is one um the second um question is in relation to the mentioning of the decline of um, adoption figures to say the presentation was more on inter-country vis-a-vis, you know, the national or domestic. Um, I must say um, the decline covers both programs, being national adoption, stroke, you know, um, domestic adoption. It has also declined. Um, but the slide was concentrating much more on inter-country because it wanted, you know, to give background and context in terms of um, sending children, you know, from South Africa to other, you know, countries. But I must say, uh, we have records, you know, according to our um, adoption figures, um, to say both national and inter-country, you know, figures have declined. So that is in relation to the decline in terms of figures. Um, the third um, question is in relation to the capacity. Do we have capacity as government, you know, to render adoption services? Um, the question is yes. Um, as we speak, we are having 509 social workers who are uh, registered with the council to render adoption services. So. Um, 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 we have a caliber of trained um, um, social workers who could be 
driving, you know, the service and offering, you know, the, the service forward. There was also a, a question to say, um, can we provide a list of countries uh, benchmarking um, whether, you know, government is taking a lead in terms of adoption services? Yes. Um, there are various, you know, countries um, in, 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 in Africa, I must say, um, South Africa, you know, is the only, you know, um, um, country that is, you know, um, having a hybrid, you know, model in terms of offering um, both government and, 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 and private, you know, services. Um, in countries in Europe, we have countries like um, Australia, whereby most of um, 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 adoptions are being rendered, you know, by, by, by government. Um, there was also a mentioning of um, unpacking the intersectoral nature of the process, you know, of adoption to say, where do we as social development zoom in in terms of our services? We come in as DSD, you know, um, in the initial stages, of screening, offering counseling, matching, you know, parents with um, children, um, facilitating bonding and placement. That is where we can see. Other government departments, for example, the SAPS, come in in terms of tracing um, the parents, you know, of, 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 of children and also, you know, um, generating what we call police clearance because that is also, you know, a requirement, you know, in terms of, of um, the process. Um, from there, Department of Justice, whereby we present, you know, all matters before the presiding officers, and then if at all the presiding officers, you know, um, satisfied about what uh, the social workers would have presented in the report, they grant what we call, you know, adoption orders. From there, it comes back to us as DSD to register those cases in what we call adoption um, adoption register, so that uh, we would be knowing how many cases we have, how many children have been adopted um, um, across you know the country. From there, there is also a department, um, Department of Home Affairs, that is also implicated at the Taylor end whereby we would refer, you know, the parents to go and approach the, the department in terms of effecting the name changes in terms of um, the new um, surnames, the new names, if at all, you know, they are such. So I wanted, you know, to put or portray the intersectoral nature of the processes because they are various role, role players with respective roles and responsibilities, you know, for, 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 for them. So I guess, um, acting DG, those are some of the questions that I have noted for now. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Mabe. I'm now going to ask Leander to respond to some of the issues that were raised very quickly, Leander. Thank you. Okay, thanks, DG, and uh, uh, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, again, let me just briefly through the questions. The first one will be about the age issue. Uh, we are taking note of the challenges that uh, relate to age as to what a child can do at a particular age. And we are of the view that 
It is not a matter that uh, can easily be legislated in terms of the Children's Act because we've got different age requirements for different transactions uh, across uh, the uh, sectors. Uh, for an example, a 14-year child uh, can witness a will. A 16-year-old can consent to sex in terms of the sexual offenses uh, act. Uh, a seven-year-old below uh, uh, does not have uh, criminal capacity. Uh, you see, with regard to those, and a 16-year-old can take a, a, a will. I'm sorry, can, can, can take a life policy in terms of the insurance law because of the nature uh, of such an engagement. It is not very easy to say in the Children's Act this is what one can do with regard to the difference in ages, but to let the status quo remain. But if we were to have, I mean, to amend the legislation because of a pressing issue, Maybe we would need guidance uh, from uh, the, the Law Reform Commission, which would be able uh, to assist in the harmonization of these uh, age uh, differences with regard to the different uh, uh, transactions uh, they relate to. The issue of uh, May and must, I think, is the one that Diki uh, has responded to, which was talking to the database. Uh, of the uh, NGOs and NPOs uh, in our system. The issue that we're raising here was that uh, it is not easy uh, to say uh, the uh, provincial uh, MECs must provide uh, funding uh, to NGOs because it is difficult to do so or dangerous as there are so many new emerging uh, organizations that are coming on board. Uh, so uh, on, on such basis, that is the difficult that I was referring to, not that we, we do not, uh, as a department, have the record. Uh, with regards to uh, the deletion of Section 249, the reference to 249 is actually a verbatim quotation from uh, what people who were raising the issues were referring to. Actually, it's 24922, uh, uh, that is subsection 2BND, that make reference to fees, the charging of that is what we are referring to, and any such other provision uh, as a consequential amendment, not the entire 249, because the other provisions are, uh, are okay. The, the other issue is around China. Uh, and, and the, the issue and the Russia is an example. We, we are not uh, chapters in saying, uh, let us copy uh, from, from China or must copy from Russia. What we are saying is that uh, there is a lesson that has to be learned from what other countries are or have identified. And it may not be the case with us in South Africa, and we may take a different decisions along those lines. But what we are rather saying is that it is very difficult for us to uh, to allow a situation or as a bad situation to take place before we act. Uh, what we are saying is that the nature of this department is more proactive and preventative in nature. It is much better to prevent 
uh, if you have a link that with the issue of child trafficking that was uh, raised by Honorable Fadamele, to say, yes, we may not have a study that we have conducted as a department to say there's a link between child trafficking and uh, inter-country adoption, but it would not be wise for the department to wait until there is a case of child trafficking and then start amending the legislation. We believe that uh, prevention is better than cure. So the earlier we act, the better as a department. Uh, one child uh, lost in trafficking is much too many. So we are more proactive uh, in this regard. Uh, uh, Dr. Mabe has responded on various issues uh, that have already been, um, I mean, are dealing with adoptions and all that. So basically, uh, these, these are the uh, issues uh, that we are dealing with. And we are also saying the when, when, when Section 249 is deleted, we are, we are not saying child protection organizations are not going to be able to do uh, adoption cases, but rather the department itself uh, will also be able uh, to deliver the same service that the child protection organizations are, are dealing with, so that a person there uh, has got a choice whether to approach a child protection organization or to come to the public service I mean, for that kind of a service, because the service is very expensive when it's dealt with privately. So we are giving people a choice uh, to deal with this. Yes, uh, we may not have at present the, 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 the proof that says uh, there is so much money involved, but when you uh, one views the websites of the child protection organizations across the world. Uh, the, the fees are there, they are flighted there to say this is how much a child protection organization is charging for transacting an, an, an adoption uh, uh, case. So the, what we did as a department some time ago was to put, develop guidelines uh, for inter-country adoption. And in those guidelines, we also have a, a, a case where we say child protection organization must submit audited financial statements to the department so that we can easily see uh, whether there is uh, too much money coming into the accounts uh, in trying to monitor the whole issue of possibility of uh, using money uh, for, for, for adoption purposes, but I believe that has never materialized. I've never, I've, I've never got a brief that a single child protection organization has ever submitted to the department budget financial statements as required by those guidelines. So thanks, thanks, Chair for now. No, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, colleagues. Chairperson, I think that summarizes our response uh, to the matters raised by members. Uh, and uh, we once again would like to take the opportunity and thank the opportunity um, for, for the session. Uh, we will leave it at that for now, Chair. Thank you very much. Thank you, Acting DG. I see uh, Honorable Masango's hand is up. Thank Honorable you, Chair. Thank you very much, Chair. I'm really sorry to do this. Uh, it, uh, it's unprecedented in my case. I just missed the question that was answered 
um, that I had asked about the abandonment. And I, I, I want to be sure that the response said that a baby that has been abandoned in a door of hope or something like that, a family can be found. Is that what the answer was saying? I just wanted to confirm that, Chair. Is she? DJ. Yeah, no, thank you. Thanks, Chair. Percy, can you quickly respond to that one? Thank you. All, all what I was saying was that from, from uh, the Honorable Member's question was that uh, I think it was uh, in relation to the issue around adoption, was that um, uh, maybe inter-country adoption should be considered where the child is abandoned, where the child does not, does not have family. So what I was saying is that if the child has been abandoned by a mother or a father, it doesn't necessarily mean that the child does not have a family in the country. Therefore, uh, first preference must be given to the extended family in the country rather than moving the child from the familiar surrounding uh, to another country. That's, that, that was my response. Uh, I, think, I don't know whether I understood your question. Uh, 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 correctly. Thanks, Okay. Thank you. Seemingly, there are no other hands for now from honorable members. Uh, I wish to thank the team and the teaching for the responses, but we're pressed of time now, and we are not yet finished with our agenda. Lindy. Okay. Yes. We have to be out by half past later. That's the latest. Otherwise, we are supposed to be out by one o'clock. And it's already past one. We are in your hands. If the committee wants to proceed and adopt minutes, we can do so. Uh, maybe you can defer it, defer them to the next meeting. Uh, so it oh, is, is it four sets of minutes? Okay. Maybe let's allow the department to be excused and then deal with uh, the minutes. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Thank you very much, uh, DG and the team. Can we then go to the minutes? We must be finished by half past, Lindy. Thank you very much, Chair, um, uh, for uh, the opportunity to consider the minutes. Uh, we have only four sets of minutes for the 16th of February, which is our first meeting. Um, and then the, set, and the second set is for the 23rd of February. And then we have a set where we were with uh, Salka the second. You all know we were with, we were with uh, Home Affairs and uh, Justice Department, which was the 2nd of March. And then we have the 4th of, of, of March, which was with Salga, and last week, one, last week uh, um, minutes, uh, a chair where we had it, um, uh, we were with, um, I don't know, we were, no, we have a joint committee with the uh, PC on basic education, on migration. 
So I don't know whether, Chair, you want uh, to go as the date now that um, the minutes were circulated to members, or you want me to, sc to, sc to screen them on the, or to display them. So I just need your guidance whether we can just name the date and then we we'll request the mover and the seconder with their issues. Um, the first so one, Lindy, is second, for the date. It's for the 16th of February, Chair, our first meeting. 16th February. Yes, Chair. The second one is for the 23rd of February, Chair. Yes. The, the third one. one. The third one is the, the 2nd of March. Okay. And the, the fourth last one, one. The fourth one is the is the fourth is the 4th of March with the with the Salta. Okay. Okay. Can and can you flight just to flight them so as members are able to just remember, but they are very old. Sixteen February. Yes, sure. Okay. What? Uh, uh, yes, we do. We have received them. Okay. Yeah, on this meeting, we we our first meeting was with Mr. with Professor Skelton, where he she presented the issue of um, age majority, and yes. also the presentation from the content advisor, um, and then we adopted the provincial reports and the program. So it was not a long meeting, and the members engaged with Professor Skelton on the on the on the presentation on age majority and the committee satisfied itself and got clarity on the issues that they were not clear of. So that was in a nutshell, as well as you represented the, 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 the provincial reports and, and, and as well as the, the key issues that emerged from the provincial public hearings, there was a long presentation. So that was the meeting in a nutshell, Chair. Thank you, Lindy. What are members saying on these minutes? Um, this is Bridget. I would like to um, move for the adoption of the minutes. Thank you. Bridget, Honorable Bridget, move. And then, second. Thank you very much, Chair. It's Honorable Shaw. My hand is up. And I second uh, the adoption of the, of the minutes. Okay. okay. Honorable Stembilem Shongo seconds. Thank you very much. Honorable members, 23rd February. Flight them, Lindy. Okay, Chair. Um, uh, sorry, sorry, Chair, I just opened them now. Um, Sorry, members, just one minute. Um, can you see? It, not yet. Okay.
Okay. Can you see now, ma'am? Yes. Okay. Yes. This one was the department that short meeting where the committee uh, agreed that the department's presentation was not satisfactory, so the department was sent back to come and work on their presentation. And then we adopted the minutes, uh, about eight sets, of six, six to eight sets of minutes, six sets of minutes. And that was an, that meeting in a nutshell. Thank you, Honor uh, Lindy. Can I get the indication of moving those uh, minutes? I'm moving, Chair. I'm moving. So, Jay, Honorable Manga, moves. Seconder. We only dealt with minutes because the department has been turned back. I'd like to Bridget, second. Bridget Masango seconds. Thank you very much. The minutes of the second March. Okay, sure. Mm -mm. I'm going now. Second match. Okay. Uh, in this meeting, Chair, there was a briefing from two departments, which is was the Home Affairs and Justice Department, as well. We yeah, from to, to respond on issues raised by the stakeholders on the children's amendment bill. And uh, the committee engaged uh, on this particular presentation uh, from both departments. Okay. Uh, on this one, I was in the study, study leave, I remember, but I think it went very well. Mm. Yes. Where Home Affairs and uh, Justice Department were presenting. Yes, uh, can I get uh, any mover for... Okay, thank you, Honorable Songo. Moves. Any second, comrades? Honorable members? Okay. okay. Second. Second. Yeah. Uh, with the meetings of the what second, time? the mm. last one. Is it? The fourth. Yes, sure. Fourth March, yes, the last one. The meeting with Salga. Uh, Chair, this one was the meeting uh, where we invited Salga to respond on issues of raised by the stakeholders in the Children's Amendment Bill. Uh, we had no Z. Makanda, who made a, a presentation and take the committee through and took the committee through the the issues and the committee deliberated and make few um uh, resolution on the on the on the presentation okay those ones are still fresh in our mind where salga uh, was in fact they did their presentation uh, any move for these uh, minutes I move for adoption, Chair, Honorable Opperman. Thank you, Honorable Kizem. Seconder, any seconder?
I can't second my, in the minutes of myself. I, I, I would like to second. Masango, Honorable Bridget, seconds. Thank you very much, Honorable Members. I think we are done within a 15 minutes time, with the minutes. Uh, then, then let's attend the meeting so that we can quickly log on for the house. Thank you ever so much, honorable members. You were so good. It was not an easy meeting. Thank you. The meeting is adjourned. Thank you, Chair. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks. Chair. Thank you. Lindy. Thank you, Chair. Lindy. Salon. Can we send a, a get well words to the DM? Uh, okay. Yes, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll ask her to do so. It's your responsibility. I'll remind her and assist okay. you. Thank you very much on behalf of the committee. Thank you. No God bless by honorable members. And staff. Bye. <laughs> and staff. Hey, I'm sorry for that. I always forget to really thank them. They are doing a sterling job. Thank you very much. Uh, our pickup. Thank you. I'm going to end the meeting for everyone. I don't want to be rude. Can I? Yes, please. Okay. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>